I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X Blades with a leprechaun who plays basketball. Come to my smart house. Meet my alien sister. Don't come hungry because I'll bet my mom can't cook. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mom Can't Cook, a decom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Westaway. And I have got a little hunch that there's something going on now. The clothes I bought, the friends I got, my teacher had a meltdown. Okay, go on. Then I look at me and I start to see, and a voice inside tells me what I must do. Oh. Wake up, who knew it's me, it's you, get a clue. Andy, this voice inside that tells you what you must do, can you speak speak to that? Is that is the voice in the room with us right the now? The room with us right now. What I meant to say was, I'm Andy Farron, but uh, I, I can't get these... Uh, these great lyrics for this great song. Get a clue. That is the theme song to get a clue out of my head. That's right. And that's luckily, it's the movie we're talking about this that's week. That's lucky. Um, okay. 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 We're going to have some things to say beforehand on this one. Let's get the promo out the way. Mm. Here, here's what the Disney Channel said about this film. Have you ever written something that caused something else to happen? When a star reporter's big lead spirals out of control. Your teacher, Mr. Walker, he's missing. He's what? Isn't it strange that the day from my article runs, he just disappears? She and her friends go undercover to get the scoop. Action. But what they discover... How does $10 million just disappear? You see, isn't it? Is <gasps> trouble. You're being blackmailed. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan and Brenda Song. Get a clue. Tonight at 8, 7 central on Disney Channel. Okay. What the f was <laughs> that? Okay. All right. Oh man. This, this movie This film, Lindsay Lohan was contractually obligated to deliver three films to the Walt Disney Corporation. Is that true? It is. Okay. Can you guess which number this was? Three point five. It was number three. <laughs> <laughs> this, okay. this feels very much like a contractual obligation for Ms. Yeah. Lohan. Look, look. At the end of the film, when the credits roll, I think the whole family just looks to each other and says, well, everyone met their end. <laughs> well, there certainly were a lot of characters in that. <laughs> well, look, certainly a lot of business was done and satisfactorily concluded yeah. by that film. Um, so as you probably gathered from the trailer for this film, it's a sort of murder mystery set in New York. And I will say... Um, I just finished watching the first season of Only Murders in the Building, and this film uh, compares spectacularly wow. poorly. What a what an unfortunate juxtaposition! It really is. It was sort of like um, it's almost it's like the perfect juxtaposition in that they're both murder mysteries set in New York with comedies, um, comedies, and yeah. a lot of scenes set in very high end sort of um, luxury apartments, lux concierge luxury yes. apartments buildings, of course, of on course. the sort of Upper West, Upper East sides of Manhattan. Well, Andy, you know, somewhere there in the multiverse, there's an Andy Farrant out there who decided to make an Only Murders in the Building podcast. Mm. And that Andy is going to have a nicer evening than you. He's probably met Steve Martin. Yeah, probably. They're probably friends. Probably. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you have to talk about Get a Clue. The, the only thing I want to say about this <laughs> unfortunately, film... Unfortunately, you have to meet Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> <laughs> she's here. And she's oh, not no. impressed with what you've said so far. That's. I am going to be talking a little lower because I've, I've got the blinds down and I don't think she knows I'm home. And hopefully <laughs> she will just leave after a while, I think. <laughs> so um, I don't recall being so disappointed by a decom 
that, that that I've seen. Most of the time, a decom begins and you're like, okay, this movie sucks mm-hmm. and it's probably going to continue sucking. And then it does. Yeah. Sometimes the movies are generally pretty good. But this one took the unusual trajectory of, <laughs> at the begin, like, Honestly, it took it the was unusual creative decision decision to turn bad <laughs> to become bad. But like, <laughs> the, but the drop is so precipitous. It's 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 wild. It's, I like, mean, it's, on, there was it's a point hardly, in this, it's hardly Citizen Kane before it. Like, no, gets bad. No, but you have to consider how low it falls. Uh, it's true. Like, the, I, there were points in this movie about the the midpoint where I was honestly leaning forward. Thinking, oh my god! I think they've got a genuine pot boiler on their hands here. This You're is intrigued a- by the mystery. Yeah, I think they've got a real whodunit. I okay. Well, here's what I'll say. I had absolutely no idea what the what the solution to the mystery was going to be, and in my naivete, it didn't even occur to me that they might make the solution a load of bullshit. <laughs> that means nothing that is brought in at literally the last 20 seconds. Well, I don't I'm not sure that that's sort of your fault as a, as a viewer Luke because this film did have a different ending originally which they changed and reshot. Really? Um this film had extensive reshoots that completely changed the ending. So for for real? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So we can get into okay, it. Well, we, we can get into it. We can get it. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, it's a sort of it's a sort of moody teen murder mystery that turns unfortunately into an absolutely awful kind of bedroom fast <laughs> turns into an episode of scooby-doo yeah but 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 not one of the good ones no nope. okay anyway we open on the statue of liberty yeah pop punk a pop punk song so awful uh that i thought to myself man i bet luke is really enjoying this is playing <laughs> in the background we should have a clip of it because it's yeah, sure. got a little answer there is something going on now the clothes i bought the friends i got my teacher had a meltdown then I look at me, and I start to see, and a voice inside tells me what I must do. Wake up, boom, new, it's me, it's you get a clue. I don't know if we've got the time or if this is the right place to get into this, but this sparked in me a sort of, like academic need to find out why people sang like that on these songs okay like the voice is so nasal and so affected it's the ripples of the the great stone blink 182 that was thrown into the musical pond yeah but blink 182 isn't this bad i mean what what is it that makes when you listen to blink 182 and you go i'm gonna do that but like worse and more it's um it's snotty, isn't it? It's a, uh, it's the, really it's like, nasal. it's taking, it's taking the kind of. It's me, it's you. Get that's it, not a pleasant. That's not a pleasant sound. No, but it sticks it to the man, Andy. Maybe you don't like the sound because you're the man. I'm the man. Oh my god. Have you considered that maybe you're you're the man and you're like I don't like this young man's attitude. <laughs> this is snotty attitude. His snotty attitude. It's like. It's like the vibe is a snotty attitude, but taken extremely literally. It's like, well, okay, what if you had a terrible cold? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and sang all your songs during it. Yeah, it's DIY, man. They're not like they're not sticking it to the to the man through like um, you know grassroots political movement or um, you know peaceful protest. They're doing it by being annoying. Okay, look. singing in an annoying way. Look on songs that the man won't even listen to. If you know a the man, isn't going to go out and get a copy of um, Simon and Milo formerly known as Prozac, yeah. get a clue. Andy, if you know a better way to stop all wars than to grind it righteous in the half pipe, <laughs> then, I, then I, I'd love to hear it. All I'm saying is this film 
this film this film came out in 2002 yes and the war in iraq started in 2003 so coincidence i, I would argue that the, the data <laughs> suggests that this it's this song started a war <laughs> well look all i'd say is this podcast is half mine and i and i don't have to sit in what is half my house and have pop punk slandered in this way we see a high-rise luxury New York apartment. The camera is panning mm. around the room, setting the scene. It's Such a precious... as you might see in Only Murders in the Building, for example. That's right. That's right. But you're not watching that, sadly. Instead, you're watching Get a Clue, where it's a precious time capsule mm. of what was considered to be luxury in the year 2002. There's a Nokia mobile phone just mm -hmm. hanging around there. Uh, there's a plastic wallet of CDs. Yep. Her computer monitor is, is wrapped in sort of a fluffy thing. Yeah, green fur around your computer. Yeah. Um, there's expensive shoes and a big chair in the shape of an expensive shoe. Mm. Um, Can you imagine such luxury? It's painting a portrait yeah. of the 1%. Yes. These, this, the kind of luxurious aspirational living that the Disney Channel audience yeah. must surely have coveted. Exactly. Uh, the camera pans across to uh, a girl who is asleep in bed with a sleep mask on. This is obviously your protagonist, Lindsay Lohan. But what is funny about this, to me at least, is that the camera pans across this girl and she's got this big sleep mask on. But on her um, bedside table, she's got a framed photo of Lindsay Lohan. And it just looks like she's got a photo of Lindsay Lohan. Wait, it's a picture of her and her mum <laughs> yeah, yeah. in this picture. But I mean, in, in this language of cinema, this is telling us that her mum is dead, but she isn't. So yeah, well, I was very no. confused by this. No, no, no. But she may as well be because in in like the third scene, she goes off to work and is never seen again. Yeah. She's, a, <laughs> she's asleep in bed. She receives a call from her friend, Jen, who is yeah. played by Brenda Song. Hooray. Uh, who is more de decom royalty. Yeah. She, she kind of receives this call on her headset. She's like gone to sleep like ready to receive a morning phone call. Well, yeah. So this seems to be their sort of morning ritual as they video call each other and then they uh, talk about their outfits du jour. Mm. So Jen has two potential outfits for the day. She goes to show them. Um, the webcam, this is all on a video call, I should say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The webcam that um, they're both using is so low resolution, you can't actually make out anything. Yeah. Lindsay Lohan, Lexi, she uh, rejects the first outfit. And then Brenda Song, Jen, says, how about this timeless ensemble uh, displaying the most 2002 outfit oh it's possible gosh. to make? Yep. It has one million colours and stripes. It is the most, I think it was the most time-specific 2002 outfit you could possibly wear. And she's like, hey, check out this timeless ensemble. There are decoms that are specifically about, like, kind of fashion and, and, and stuff like that that came out around this era. But honestly, this movie, I've never seen one that is so concentrated. Mm. It's like if you put early noughties fashion into some kind of fruit squash and then drank it with no water, like undiluted. It's like your main lining. Yeah. Early no it's so... You used like a dehydrator to take all the, all yes. the stuff that isn't 2002 fashion out of yes. it. And you to were just take left all of the a... genuinely timeless fashion out. Yeah. yeah. And you yeah. were just left with a, a pure powder. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. you injected that. And then you just sold bricks of that on the open market. Mm. Um, yeah. So Lindsay Lohan, I've got to, I've got to stop calling her that. Lexi. Lexi. Goes to show her outfit to Jen. Uh, this is all still being shown on the monitor and the brightness and contrast and resolution are so bad that it's just a sort of white and blue blob. Yeah. They both agree that it's cute and then hang up. They just they just guess at what each other's outfits. That is probably good. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that shape looked fashionable. <laughs> it was a hell of a shape you held up there to my... <laughs> to your webcam. Big fan of that shape. Yep. 
My tiny CRT monitor displayed it beautifully. Um, we cut to breakfast. Um, Lexi's sister is wacky. Um, you can tell because she's wearing uh, gunner optics for real gamers. It, it, the way that like it just hard cuts to the little sister Taylor, it honestly makes it look as if her little sister is like some part, like part of a cruel medical experiment or something. It's like, <laughs> oh, and you know, Lexi is our normal kid, yeah. and then of course we have taylor mm. who we've wired up to this futuristic headset to monitor her brain waves yeah. and uh, see if she can escape from a maze or yeah or it's some kind of like um psychic power like limit oh limit yeah 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 otherwise limiter. she would explode everyone's brains at yeah 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 um yeah. what it actually is is like yeah it's gonna glasses for real gamers but with like headlights on either side mm, for real gamers but yeah for real gamers to increase <laughs> the brightness on your um headshots and, and kills yeah, the dad is there at breakfast, um, and the mum, who I assumed was dead, is also there. Yeah. Um, unless she's a ghost, I mean... Yeah, it could be. She doesn't really interact with anyone much, and then she vanishes for the rest of the movie, so yeah, it's possible she, I mean, she's a ghost. She's, she's literally about to disappear for the rest of the film. Dad is very businessman-coded. He's wearing a shirt and a tie. He's got a newspaper. Yes, but we find out that despite being businessman-coded, he's actually yeah. a reporter. Yeah. You know, he's a sort of hard news... Uh, journo. Yeah, well, he announces here at breakfast, he says, I'm a reporter, Taylor, um, to the to the younger sister. It's just classic storytelling. Yeah, he, exactly. I'm a reporter, Taylor, despite how I'm dressed. Yeah. <laughs> Wardrobe department size in relief off camera. Yeah. It's important to keep an eye on the competition, he says, reading this newspaper. And then um, Lexi says, the Daily Examiner is a competitor, the New York Times, where you work. Just wonderful storytelling. Yeah, it's just incredible. Mm. Uh, so the dad is delighted to find that this uh, other paper has printed his daughter's news article. Yeah. Now, his daughter's news article is an article that she's written that baselessly outs two of her teachers mm -hmm. as being in a forbidden love tryst. Yeah. Uh, it contains a spy photo of their hands touching on a staircase banister. Yeah. And... Uh, Child journalist Lexi has insisted in this report that this is clear evidence of yeah. a sexual relationship. So, I I mean, okay, I think it's important because of how much weight the film gives to this article. Yes. Um, the next sort of maybe 20 minutes of film are people talking about it's just the most like mind-blowingly stunning bit of writing anyone's ever read. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, I have transcribed it and I oh, am going to yes, read it. Yes, please. Yes, please, if you would. Okay. What goes on behind the scenes at Millington High School? During the past week, this journalist uncovered evidence of a secret tryst between two of our school's, no apostrophe, most popular teachers. Mr. Orlando Walker and Miss Dawson have been seen in situations that <laughs> might suggest... Miss Dawson get a first name? She doesn't get a first name. <laughs> <laughs> her research didn't uncover a first name. <laughs> Mr. Orlando Walker and Miss Dawson have been seen in situations that might suggest something more than simply employees at the same school. <laughs> The exclusive photograph seen opposite was taken during a moment of secret affection between the couple during a class change just last week. Is couple in, is couple in quotes? Couple's in inverted commas, yeah. Oh, oh well, well, she's covering her back legally. It's like, <laughs> yeah. allegedly. It's allegedly. a classic journalistic technique. Yeah. yeah, of course, yeah. Mr. Walker teaches English language and Miss Dawson is Millington's social anthropology teacher. Both have thought at Millington High School for a number of years and obviously <laughs> developed an extracurricular relationship during that period of time. They have thought there, it's accurate. They... <laughs> we all hope that this relationship flourishes and that we will be able to celebrate with them now that their secret has been unveiled. So it's those three paragraphs and then the rest of the article is those three paragraphs <laughs> repeated again twice. <laughs> Several more times to fill three columns. Okay. <laughs> Okay, it's probably easiest to tackle this by listing the number of people who are going to be fired. One, 
her teachers. Yeah. Because they, despite there being no evidence that they are in a romantic relationship at work, there is now a like a New York newspaper article. This, yeah, so it, in, in the fiction of this film, there are two main New York newspapers. There's the New York Times, mm. uh, which is, you know, the New York Times. And then there's the um, Daily Examiner, which is more a sort of the New York Post style tabloid. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, And this, uh, this article has been printed in the New York Post style tabloid, the yeah. New York Examiner, which is one of the two main newspapers yeah, in the, New York City. This is going to get so many eyeballs on it that I suspect both teachers will have to resign. And I wouldn't be surprised if the head teacher as well had to step mm-hmm. down under pressure, like following pressure from the PTA. Yeah. Because, you know, oversight, etc. Then, of course, there's the editor of the newspaper, because... Someone's going to take a look at this article and realise that it's the same three paragraphs that loop over and over and over again. (laughs) And it hasn't been proofread, clearly. Yeah, and also that it's been written by a child who was just like, hey... My, I think my teachers are doing it. Do you, is that a news? Do you <laughs> is want that a news? Yeah, so it turns out that this newspaper has a junior journalist column. Yes. Uh, and she submitted this piece weeks ago. If you think your teachers are doing it, why not write it? Write <laughs> it. Have you got any baseless assertions <laughs> to make about anyone? Have you got any accusations to make about the adults in your life? We will, we will print we'll print them it. sight unseen. <laughs> Don't think you can write a whole page of news? Don't worry. Just write three paragraphs and we'll have our tech wizards take care of the rest. <laughs> Libel? What's that? <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, um, we also find out um, that Lexi, to acquire the photo in this, used her sister's digital spy camera that shoots photos from around the corner. Yeah, so she used a special bit of spycraft equipment to commit this breathtaking invasion of privacy. The picture in question, obviously this is an audio medium, yes. so I will just describe it to you. It's the two teachers talking on some stairs. Yeah, their hands are sort of on the banister. On the banister. Um, it's like, it's a busy banister. Yeah. Like, you would expect your hands to perhaps brush against someone's as you were going upstairs. He may be turning around to say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to brush my hand against yours. Mm. But don't worry, Lexi Gold is on hand <laughs> She's on waiting the around the corner. <laughs> Using illegal spycraft spy equipment. Craft. So yeah, the this is this is big news, Lexi being in this newspaper. Um Dad and Mum are proud, particularly Dad, because you know he's a he's a journalist. Um yeah. This is the point at which I sort of looked up what New York Times reporters' salaries are because I need yes. I need to clarify just how palatial this apartment is on the upper west side of Manhattan. It's it, a at least she so later on in the film Lexi says they have the whole floor. It's at least like two Al floors. <laughs> like live, living yeah. in a hotel. It's at least two floors because it has stairs. There's an upstairs yeah, yeah. to it. Yeah. It's all like wood panels and incredible views over Central Park. They it's have gorgeous. live-in help. They have a woman called Gilda who does all their cooking and cleaning and stuff. Yeah. So I think, like, we don't find out what the mum does, but I assume it's a sort of, she's something big in organised crime or something, because there's no other way. For sure. That For they're sure. living in this this kind yeah. of unimaginable opulence. Well, it, yeah, it's it's absolutely got to be the, the mum's income. And in fact, the next thing that happens is mum goes off to work. Uh, which explains why both her kids are so messed up, um, yeah, according to the Disney Channel, which yeah. does, which makes it clear once more that it doesn't think much of this sort of thing. Oh my God, but not as much as it's going to later. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. New York High School. We see Lexi go to school. We get a parade of privileged fashion children heading into school. 
It is an absolutely <laughs> un- incredible montage. It's not often that I encourage you to actually watch these movies. Yeah. But like, if you want to just like skip sort of four minutes into this one to just get a look at it, because it could not be more noughties. It's, it's, it's physically painful. We're talking flip phones. We're talking bags shaped like animals. Oh, uh, Knee high pleather boots, fur coats. The boys have all got crispy gel tips and shades. We're talking those notebooks that say groovy chick on them. Mm. It's like scenes taken outside of a convention for people who choose to live outside of society's norms. <laughs> <laughs> like, all these kids are just so damn weird. It's just the most perfect fashion naughty snaps. You know what? It's like... It's like a, it's like one of those tag yourself memes. Yeah. Like if you just watch the the opening scenes, um, yeah, it's like which one of these naughty kids were you? Tag yeah, yourself. Tag yourself. I'm crispy tips. Unfortunately, I'm the kid who walks by with an oversized anime shirt with a dude with a sword <laughs> on it, which is the thing that happens. <laughs> You've got an umbrella, but the handle is a katana handle. <laughs> like what? Nothing wrong with having an umbrella. Oh, yeah, yes, no, I I will collect it at the end of school. I know that's yeah. fine. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've grown my fringe long and I've I've gelled it into sort of crispy spikes like Stephen Dorff in Blade. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm pretty sure that if Morpheus saw me, he'd recruit me onto the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar. He'd <laughs> say, here's, here's someone who who knows, who's ready <laughs> knows to wake way up around, some sheeple. And, yeah. Around cyberspace. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a time. I'm out in the street doing parkour to the bomb funk MCs. Oh, man. Okay, so Lexi is very popular at this school. Yeah, um, so it must popular. be said, and even more so now that this article has come out because everyone is loving on her for this big scoop. Yeah, everyone is uh, so like taken with it. Uh, they're loving the scandal in voiceover because, of course, there's voiceover in this film because they got it into the edit suite and realized it doesn't make any sense. Um, she talks in voiceover when she sees Mr. Walker, the teacher from the article, and yeah. notes that he's wearing his hideous green coat. Yeah, it's kind of like a duster. Um, yeah. You know, like a long coat with that sort of shoulder um, yeah. thing as well. Um, and then Lexi, having like published this incredible invasion of this guy's privacy in a citywide tabloid, yeah. then walks up to him and is like, hello, <laughs> kudos for the article, perhaps? Yep. And he's like, I'm surprised he didn't take a swing. Yeah. <laughs> he's carrying a cardboard box with his... <laughs> yeah. With his work, of, with his personal effects. Yeah. yeah. He's on the way out of the building. But before he can answer to tell her what a good job she'd done like everyone else, up walks Miss Stern, the control freak admissions officer, and she wants to speak to Mr. Walker. Yeah, she presumably leads, leads to, to fire him. <laughs> presumably to get him to clear out his desk yeah. before she goes to clear out her <laughs> To clear desk. out her own. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the head teacher as well. Uh, yeah, so the, the music kind of implies that this is like... Uh, the purpose of this meeting is going to be a bollocking, but it's mm-hmm. also a bit... Amb- the the music in this film, I will say, up to a point, mm. is incredible. Yes. Because again, this movie is going to precipitously like drop off in quality and, and just turn awful like on a dime. Um, but up until that point, it's got like real genuine... It's like, this is music that's like... It's like music lifted from Silence of the Lambs at this point, <laughs> where she's like, come and meet me. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you can imagine the whatever the decom equivalent of David Lynch and whatever the decom yes. equivalent of ba- Angelo Badalamenti in yes. the background. Like, yes, yes, Angelo. Yes, yes, yes. You're tearing me apart. It's like driving up to the Overlook Hotel music. It's kind of like it's got it's got real menace and 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 threat and yet beauty to it. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, like the rest of the film, it just goes all wrong. And it's a hard pivot from get a clue, get a clue. Well, so so um, 
a gawky boy with unkempt hair uh, comes up to Lexi. Unkempt is... Um... I, I mean, that's like that's like describing Michelangelo's David as nice. I think. Okay, fine. Anyway, he this boy comes up. He's called Jack. Uh, he sort of is um, shady and dismissive about her article because it's gossip, and he's like, "Oh, gossip column." That was uh, some article. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. Head of Hopper had nothing on you. Head of who? And you call yourself a writer? You should know. She was the most famous gossip columnist ever. I am not a gossip columnist. I give advice in the school paper, and the article in the Daily Examiner is a human interest piece. Right. <laughs> Shortest. Then after this, we get the character that you have to have in every uh, Disney Channel thing from around this time. It's the person with a camcorder. Yeah. He keeps it's... filming things at weird angles and getting yeah, in everyone's you... face. Like the little flip-out screen camcorders, you know the ones. Yeah, Gabe's personality is video camera. Yes. Camcorder. <laughs> yeah, has, owns camcorder. Um, we learn that, yeah, that the, the, the name of the unkempt boy is, is Jack Downey. Um, Jen, uh, says that, uh, he's just jealous of the article because he got upstaged because Jack, mm. in fact, is the editor of the school paper. As the editor of the school paper, he's probably even more disgusted with this article than, <laughs> than most people, than most people, because, you know, he would, he would have been given an introduction to sort of basic journalism law and, and <laughs> he knows how many people are going to lose their jobs and go to prison yeah exactly yeah um so anyway so then later in miss dawson's class miss dawson is the other teacher who was outed yep. in this article she's played by amanda Plummer, the actress who played honey bunny in pulp fiction oh yeah which is again tonal whiplash yeah in the casting bizarrely a cia officer has come to give a talk <laughs> in this class this is so weird okay so they're doing like parent uh career day talks but but like, like but every day i don't know what miss dawson teaches but every single class there's just well, a it, different professional who's in to be like they said earlier on that she's the social anthropology teacher social anthropology maybe it's a thing in the u.s fine anyway in this case a cia officer has come to give a talk the, yeah. the cia officer stands up and says that life in the CIA <laughs> is one of travel and interesting people, but it's lonely. Empty hotel rooms, and she sure misses her cat. Yeah. And then that scene ends, and that character doesn't come back, and nothing to do with it <laughs> ever. Is any relevance to anything? Has any relevance to anything? Miss Dawson sort of looks meaningfully at the CIA officer as if to say, you're going to continue to be in the film, or. Yeah. The things that you're saying are making me think things about my yeah. actions in the film, but not nothing, mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah, nothing. she's just like, "Hey, kids, um, so I'm here to talk to you about my exciting career toppling foreign governments and dosing people with LSD in the hope that it would give them mind control powers." Yep, but she'll miss my cat. <laughs> she'll miss my cat when I'm doing it. Next, it's the weekly meeting of the paper. Uh, Lexi and Jen. Yeah, they have a role in this paper. They write advice columns. This room is a bustling hive of activity. People are hand-setting type in yeah. this office yeah. in 2002. Don't we, can we just like digitally print stuff at this we, point? We keep the old ways here. We in the, keep the other Millington High. Millington High. All right, fine. Yeah. Fine. Um, so, so yeah, Jen and Lexi are sort of sat opposite each other um, writing their advice columns. Um, mm -hmm. It is sort of wishy-washy flim flam flim flammery Fla flim flammery of the highest degree it's mere <laughs> fluff 
And it's not the kind of thing that Jack, who loves yeah. hard news... He loves hard journalism. Hard journalism. Rock hard journalism. Marble hard journalism. He's not into <laughs> it. Uh, so he sort of is ostentatiously rolling his eyes, listening uh, listening to yeah. their conversation. But then in comes the teacher, the head of this um, student paper. Yes. Uh, and he shouts out Lexi's incredible article, which yep. I remind you, I read you earlier. Uh, <laughs> that one. He's talking about that one. We, Huge round of applause. Yeah. We find out at this meeting that Lexi submitted the story to the school paper first, but mm. uh, Jack rejected it for being baseless rumour. <laughs> <laughs> including a possibly illegal photograph. <laughs> Demonstrating more editorial nous than the, than the editor of the actual newspaper that took this story. Mm. Jack and it decided also... <laughs> not to run with it. Lexi, I'm not going to run this because it's the same three paragraphs repeated three yeah. times. Come on. If you're not you, I'll take it to the Daily mm. Examiner. Um, so or you also have to factor in that Jack, as editor of the yeah. school paper probably caved to pressure from above you know yeah. he probably has to run proofs past the head teacher and the head teacher's going to be like spike it spike <laughs> spike this story we but can't teach this, this is news spike it this is rock hard news this teacher. is rock hard news teach this is it this is shoe leather <laughs> this is the real stuff this is watergate spike <laughs> it spike it you work for me and don't you forget it so uh later in school Lexi is on the stairwell and she... Well, this is just straight after the meeting. She leaves the office on her own. Yeah, and goes straight and she hears to the she hears the two teachers from yeah. her article talking on the stairs again. Mm -hmm. Now, you'd think they'd be sort of careful about this now, having <laughs> just that very morning had their, very, their most private moments broadcast to the entire city. Or you'd think that the conversation they're having would be like, so how can we, like, get Lexi? Yeah. Okay. But no, they're just talking on the staircase. The man, Orlando Walker, he never meant to hurt her. Um, the woman, Ms. Dawson, no first name, says, uh, what changed? We made plans, Orlando. I love you. And he says, OK, but I don't love you. That's what's changed. Dun, dun, dun. This conversation starts sad, but quickly turns sinister. I think we should probably have a clip of it to get the tone. Orlando, I love you. OK, well, I don't love you. That's what's changed. Can you understand that? I guess I'm gonna have to try. I'm sorry I ever met you. If you think I'll continue to press you in these halls, you're sadly mistaken. One of us has to leave Millington and I assure you it's not going to be me. Okay, so this was the point in the film where I realized, oh my God, I think this film might kick ass. Okay. It's not going to. But this is the point where I thought that it might. Because, yeah. like, there's a real edge to this conversation, isn't mm. there? It's Well, yeah, when she's like, one of us has to leave Millington, yeah. and it's not going to be me. Yeah. And then he tells her, I don't love you. Yeah. That's going to be directly contradicted by every subsequent event yeah. in the film. It just does not hang together even a so little bit. They're having this argument on the stairs and yeah. then the, uh, the woman, Ms. Dawson, turns around and descends the stairs to find Lexi again lurking <laughs> at the bottom of the stairs. And she's like, she throws up her hands and goes, oh, God damn it. Well, it's what she should do. Instead, she's like, oh, hi, Lexi, and gives her a sort of beaming smile. Yeah. I would push her down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then write about it, the Daily yeah. Examiner. Yeah, I'd frame Jack. That would be a movie. 
that would be a movie. And you know what? The, like this film is setting up. It's like it's sort of playing with the tropes musically, mm-hmm. uh, sort of script wise of a murder mystery, of a crime thriller. And I'm into that. It's cool. Yeah. But uh, yes, bleh. I see, anyway, I love a I love a murder mystery. I love a murder I love, mystery. I love the parceling out of clues. I, I love the the reveal. I know. I love the twists. Mm. This film does all the sort of setup. Setup and has yeah has none of the resolution or remember anything Lost. satisfying. Remember yes. Lost. You remember, remember how in Lost they're just like and there's a big cloud and mm. there's a polar bear. What's a polar bear doing there? What's and, this hatch? And about? this and that and you're like oh my god this show is going to be unbelievable when it explains all this mm-hmm. and then. Like you don't even it doesn't even occur to you in your naivete that they might just not <laughs> not know what they're <laughs> they doing. might just not know what they're doing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean at least in this film is only sort of like 80 minutes long, whereas Lost sort of strung you yeah. along for years. So fine. Anyway, back home. Uh Dad is home late. He didn't make it home on time because he was busy doing journalism at the mayor's yeah. press conference. He says that he read Lexi's article. Yeah. It was well written. Uh, he says, you've got a good theme. So It was so Question well written, mark. you wrote it three times. <laughs> I'd call it a heartwarming piece of journalism. <laughs> this, like, grubby expose. <laughs> yeah. And then and then Lexi asks her dad, again, the columnist for the New York Times, uh, the, sorry, the hard-nosed news reporter for the New York Times, yeah. she asks him if he's ever written something that caused something to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Lexi's sort of feeling a kind of pang of guilt because she thinks that... Possibly these two teachers have broken off their relationship as a result of the story. Mm. She's not feeling enough guilt to do anything. It, it's like just a retraction or... Yeah, it's or, or, you know, do better in future. It's just sort of floating around there in her consciousness. Dad doesn't really clock that this is what's going on. Uh, and mm. instead he just sort of talks about, well, yes, ideally, obviously every journalist wants to make an impact, but you're going to have to wait to do that. Uh, he says you'll have to work your way up. Yeah. Um, Lexi asks him... What was his big break? And he casually drops mm. what his big break in journalism was, which was that he was working for a small town paper. When he discovered in the classifieds, he wasn't even a reporter. He was working in the classifieds for a small town paper when he discovered a toxic waste dump <laughs> under a burger joint. This a hundred percent never happened. This is such a lie. A secret toxic waste dump. <laughs> Underneath the burger joint. What is the nuclear byproduct of burgers? <laughs> this, I think he watched like the Toxic Avenger and got confused. <laughs> well, you know that by law, Burger King is supposed to dispose of all of its depleted uranium safely and responsibly. Yeah. But some of these burger joints, they they try and fly under the radar. Big like oil drums full of glowing green liquid <laughs> underneath the burger joint. <laughs> So he broke that big story, uh, and it made yeah. the front page, and they made him a staff yeah, writer. Made the front page because he found a toxic waste dump under a burger joint. Anyway, so um, Dad and Lexi have this quite sweet talk. Yeah, Dad, the fraudulent reporter who makes up all his stories. Yeah, it's an it's it's a nice it's a nice pet talk from Dad. Mm. Lexi goes to sleep. Hard cut two morning. Mister Walker's car is being dredged from the East River. <laughs> Police stand anxiously around. Oh no, my my article I wrote made something happen. <laughs> we see Jack going to buy the morning paper. The front page declares Mr. Walker is marked absent, which is a cute way of saying... <laughs> Say he's dead. Saying he's also, I'm pretty sure the picture on the front page of this newspaper is the same picture from Lexi's article, just horribly zoomed. 
Um, <laughs> well, look, that's the only reason that this teacher... I mean, you know, normally if a car is found in the East River, it's probably mm. not front page news, is it? No. But this guy's recently in the news cycle. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So Ev- everyone in New York is waiting it. with bated breath <laughs> yeah. for more on the story of the two teachers who might be doing it. So Dad shakes Lexi awake to tell her <laughs> Mr. Walker is dead. <laughs> He's like, there's going to be a lot of heat on you for this <laughs> I'd better walk you to school in case someone tries to take a swing. So, just so, I mean, I'm not exaggerating this. The dad shakes Lexi awake and tells her that, like, her teacher, who she wrote an expose about yesterday, Mm. is this morning missing, presumed dead, and they dredged his empty car from the East River. I mean, it doesn't look good, does it? (laughs) And then he says, yeah, so things might be weird at school. Needless to say, you're still going. I'll, of course, but, yeah. But I'll walk you, yeah, but I'll walk you there. I'll walk you there. She I would tells, maybe um, give her the day off. I mean, probably the police will want to talk to her. But, yeah. yeah. She tells Jen over video call. They get to school. Uh, there are news vans and cameras all piled up outside the school. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a lot of cameras here, says um, Lexi. I hope they get my good side, which is not a, not a great reaction. Not to a great all the reaction. News, news crews there to cover your murdered teacher. In voiceover... Lexi says, if he set foot in that toxic river, he's going to need a serious head-to-toe hydroexfoliation body wrap. As, that is dead, Lexi. <laughs> Mr. Walker's bloated corpse drifts mm-hmm. out to the vast Atlantic Ocean, gets tangled up in some weed. <laughs> to, to, to underline the seriousness of the situation, yeah. we get a sort of square block transition to... Um, her and Jen wearing outfits that make them look like widows showing up to the double funeral of the husbands they murdered. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of any other way of describing these baffling clothing choices. <laughs> no, that's it. So, like, tonally, this is so bizarre. So, yeah, there's mm. like there's the scores for the cameras because of the dead teacher. Sure. Oh, sorry, missing, presumed dead teacher. Missing, presumed dredged. But the, but the next shot is a funky music montage of Lexi and Jen striding into school in their morning clothes. <laughs> in their morning clothes. Lexi says the only advantage to being in mourning is that black is always in. So yeah. they do. They think he's dead mm-hmm. and, and are, are seemingly very unconcerned. Yeah. So does Ms. Stern, um, who's walking the halls in black. She's clutching a single lily. Yeah. Um, the camcorder boy walks up and he's like, Lexi, what's the scoop on Mr. Walker? I know you have the inside scoop. And um, Lexi is appalled that anyone would think that she has a prurient interest in other people's private lives. <laughs> Lexi's, Lexi Moles, isn't it strange the day after my article runs, he just disappears? <laughs> no, Lexi. No, not really, Lexi. I think if you think about it, Lexi. It was like those two things might be connected. <laughs> How strange the day after you publicly revealed private details of his love life in a New York paper. <laughs> Read by his very public humiliation in front of the whole city. Yeah. He suddenly disappeared. That's so weird. We'll need to get a clue. Um, it, we're back in Miss Dawson's class. Mm. Through tears, she introduces today's lesson, which is a taxidermist is here to tell you about that. Okay, so I, I was watching this and I thought that they were trying to create some sort of like intrigue around Miss Dawson here because mm. she she's, I get in yes. like hindsight, it kind of looks like she's sort of choking back emotion, but it looks very much like she's making a sort of mysterious face. She's like, oh. Okay. Maybe yes. Mr. Yes. Wasn't involved. Yes. Thank you. I'm really glad that this is one of those decoms that you and I actually hadn't watched and talked about beforehand. Mm. This is the first time that Andy and I are talking about this movie because that when we watched it for this, it was the first time. And I've I wrote down my notes obviously as I was watching it, and I've written yeah. in capital letters. She clearly did it right. 
Right. I do not buy these crocodile tears. Is yeah, what I was exactly. thinking. Yeah, because she's crying. Um, so and, and again, again, this is the this is the good stuff yeah. of murder mysteries. You're like, oh, it's them. Oh, what about that person though? Here I am engaged with the plot. Yeah, I'm speculating in my notes as to who I think did it. Even oh, though so by the time I come to read my notes, I will know. That's how swept <laughs> up I am. I want to know what happened to Mr. Walker in his mm. dredged car. So, yeah, so Miss Dawson is like through tears, but slightly odd tears. Yeah, odd, weird tears. Yeah. The, tax- the fish taxidermy man starts doing that and um, we get a bit of voiceover from Lexi, who's like, poor Mrs. Dawson, uh, she must be Wigan. <laughs> Which, yeah, she must be. <laughs> yeah, a sensitive description of... Her time yeah. of grief. She's just wigging. Suddenly the police burst in. Yeah. And they ask, is Lexi Gold here? <laughs> sorry. I just, sorry, I'm laughing at my own notes. I've just written, everyone looks appalled at the man doing taxidermy, but he is mercifully interrupted by a man asking for Lexi. <laughs> Look, to be fair to this taxidermist, he was asked to come in and do taxidermy. <laughs> it's not his fault. He was it's probably really fault. excited to come in and do his taxidermy. <laughs> It's not everyone is hated. It's not his fault. Everyone hates it. It's not his. It's also not his fault that that morning a teacher went missing, presumed dead in the East mm. River. Like he was probably setting off to do this when he found out. Yeah, kiss on the cheek from his wife. Go get him. I know you've been excited about spreading the good word about taxidermy to the youth. <laughs> well, what's this in the paper? Oh no. Do you think I should cancel? No, no, no. The children need it now more than ever. <laughs> You're right. And someone has to pass on the taxidermic arts to exactly. the next generation. They might need to taxiderm Mr. Walker. <laughs> Mount him in the hallway as a, <laughs> as a touching memorial. So now we meet a police officer. As the person I know in the world mm. who knows the most about facial hair maintenance and care. Yeah. Do you want to take the lead on describing Detective Potter? I th- I think what they're going for here is a kind of Hercule Poirot style mustache. Okay, um, it's it's quite it's a handlebar mustache, mm-hmm. but it's very it's quite a short handlebar mustache, and it is like very eccentrically upturned. It it looks like it would take about a pot of mustache wax a day to maintain this thing because it is a very actually thick mustache, and it is pointing like almost vertically upwards. Right. Yes. Yes. Also, this character, this Detective Potter, is, for some reason in this scene, just covered in stains. I don't know if you noticed this. No, I did notice it. I, I And I noticed it, especially in contrast to his weird moustache. Fussy moustache. Yeah, because like nobody that stained has this moustache, right? Yeah. But he is like, he looks like he's just been in the East River. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's got like yellow stains on his shirt. And, yeah. But it's sort of not explained. And it looks never, like he's been dredged up. Also, do you really want to introduce a character in your mm-hmm. murder mystery movie mm-hmm. who has an extremely ostentatious bit of facial hair? Yeah. Because you've got the audience thinking, is it, is it fake? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's that. And also, I well, when he was introduced, I was like, I bet there's going to be something later where uh, she smells the smell of a certain mustache wax or someone dis- someone's able to ID him. Oh, the, yeah, the man fleeing the scene, he had a weird mustache. Or I don't know, I was like, oh, this is, this is like too weird a detail not to become important <laughs> yes, later. Yes, yes, yes. You know what? Get a clue is, I bet there's going to be something later, <laughs> the film. The that movie. should be the subtitle. Yeah. Get a clue. Oh, I bet there's going to be something later. <laughs> they just reader. Yeah. There is nothing later. 
working title. I bet there's going to be something like <laughs> So this is Detective Potter. Um, again, like Miss Dawson's weird bearing when she's like in school, mm. this all seems very fishy and unusual. Detective Potter is interviewing Lexi. Uh, he's sort of asking her um, uh, questions uh, uh, about the teachers. She tells yep. him about the article. Uh, she manages oh, to incriminate um, Ms. Dawson. She says that she saw them arguing um, yeah. and said there was only room in town for one of them and it wasn't going to be him. Needless to say, Detective Potter in this scene also congratulates Lexi on her article. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, before we say anything, I just want to say huge I fan. Want, I just want to say, oh my God. I'm, yeah. like, I'm, I'm putting on my professional policeman hat right now, yeah. but I have just a fanboy hat. Start, that, yeah. I, just, I just want you to know, could incredible piece of writing. Yes. And if I could get a selfie at the end of this interview, it would I would be so honoured. Um, that would be that would be so great. Or a um, video message for my nephew, he would lose yeah. it. I just you know I when when you said um, that they've both thought at this school for a number of years, I just that really got that really got me. I I wept. <laughs> I I crashed my car. <laughs> I crashed my car into the East Room. <laughs> So, yeah, Lexi says that the cops might want to talk to Miss Dawson because they just broke up. Uh, she also says you might look better without the facial hair. Yeah. I wonder if maybe at this... She says without without the knobs. Without the knobs, which is actually not a term I've heard. No, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a term. No. Yeah. Um, I think at this point, potentially, the scene was over. The cameras were just still rolling and what we're seeing is <laughs> Lindsay Lohan telling this actor that she doesn't like his facial hair <laughs> can we lose this please yeah yeah just turns around yeah. looks straight down the barrel i'm sorry this isn't really isn't working <laughs> is it is this does this come up later in the script yeah it doesn't and just, why is it why is it in the movie yeah and just to check after this one there's not another one is there? this is the third this, this is, is the third one this is three <laughs> this is three three and i'm out three and i'm out okay fine fine okay so then uh <laughs> The script for Mean Girls is poking out of her bag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, just come on, Lohan. Come on. So um, then Miss Dawson is in the hot seat. She sort of swaps with, with Lexi and goes to be interviewed by the cops. Lexi stays and listens at the door, obviously, yeah. with Jack, who sort of wanders up out of nowhere for no reason. This is, this is another thing where they're trying to make Ms. Dawson look intriguing because yes. the detective is interrogating her. He mentions the threats and then she says, well, I suppose I'd better contact my lawyer mm. in a very like oh yeah i know exactly what to do when being questioned for murder yeah um throughout the rest of the film miss dawson displays none of this like cold um capability she's yeah. just a sort of screaming flailing woman next time <laughs> you see miss dawson it will be a scooby-doo this film will have turned <laughs> into a scooby-doo episode but in this scene she's like i ain't saying until i talk to my lawyer yeah, yeah exactly Big. in this like, scene the what? film is good you know, it's like steely-eyed determination and the music's like... Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Um, so, Lexi feels bad about this. Um, she says the only thing Miss Dawson's guilty of mm. is loving Mr. Walker. Yeah. Oh no, that detective thinks that Miss Dawson has something to do with Mr. Walker's disappearance and it's all my fault. Don't flatter yourself. She's a lead suspect even without your big mouth. The only thing that woman is guilty of is loving him. Why can't you just tell it like it is? She threatened him yesterday. We both heard it. She didn't threaten him. She only said the school wasn't big enough for the two of them. Besides, she's way too petite to murder anyone. Oh, well, didn't you ever hear of Lizzie Borden, the dainty murderess? I think I've heard of Dizzy Borden. Look, I don't believe Miss Dawson killed Mr. Walker. So, who did? I don't know. Who said he was murdered? There's no body. They found his car, but no Mr. Walker. 
I mean, anything could have happened. He could have been taken hostage or something. Yeah, okay, Nancy Drew, I think you've been sleuthing around the hidden staircase just a little too long. I'm gonna get to the bottom of this, Jack Downey, and it's gonna be the front page news. Mark my words. You don't know the first thing about Mr. Walker. I'm the only one who knows him, much less cares about him. You know, you're right. As much as it pains me to say this, Jack, I think we should team up and investigate this thing together. Well, what's the point of that? Lexi posits that he might not have been murdered. Could, for instance, have been that he was kidnapped. Yeah, and she also she um, presents the theory that Ms. Dawson is way too petite to murder anyone. Yeah. But uh, Jack counters with, didn't you ever hear of Lizzie Borden, the dainty murderess? <laughs> and, all, and other normal things teens say. <laughs> I was so Lizzie Borden, obviously the um, the historical axe murderer. Yeah, I was like, I don't think anyone's ever described Lizzie Borden as the dainty murderess. The dainty so murderess. I just I did do, just do a quick Google, yep. which was um, you know dainty murderess, and the only result was a, a Lizzie Borden fan message board dunking on this film for calling <laughs> Lizzie Borden the dainty murderess. Okay, okay, if that is not a nickname that Lizzie Borden has, it is a bizarre choice. Mm hmm. The dainty murderess. The dainty murderess. But yeah, petite women can't do murders. All right. Is, is Lexi's theory. So Lexi says that she and Jack should team up mm. to investigate the case. Uh, she asks Jack, are you just going to sit back and do nothing? Or are you going to investigate the murder of your teacher with no jurisdiction? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she manages to guilt Jack into agreeing to team up. They sort of agree to it. And then the music goes, bow, wow, wow. Welcome to the party. <laughs> There's just such an odd music cue for the start of a murder investigation. <laughs> Welcome to the party. <laughs> Welcome to the party. The spatter results from the scene came back. So we see Lexi and Jen. They're trying on clothes and doing fancy shopping. Yeah, they're trying on outfits that make them look like background extras in an Austin Powers movie. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Um, they're doing, they're talking about Jack while doing makeup in the mirror. Um, Jen says, he's just your type. Mm. And then Lexi says, that's not possible, Jen. I don't have a type. Uh, as she and Jen press their faces into each other in the camera uh, yeah. in a way that when you're watching it in 2023, you're like, oh, maybe these two are sort of crushing on each other. But I'm pretty sure that is not what... Pretty Disney, sure that's not what the film's going pretty for. Pretty sure that's not what the Disney Channel was going for. No. But there you go. Not even in Cadet Kelly. No. So, later at home, Lexi goes to talk to her dad. Uh, she asks Dad, is there any news on Mr. Walker? Uh, dad says <laughs> that they've sent more divers to investigate the area his car was found. <laughs> yeah. um, he says that there's a strong current in the water there. Lexi says... To her dad, if you were going to investigate this, where would you start? Um, Lexi is asking for tips on how to be like a reporter like him. And he says you need to look into people's backgrounds for info. He says good reporters are like detectives, except they have to do their own investigation. Yeah. Which confused me because detectives, detectives. also have to do their own investigation. Yeah. It's like <laughs> being a detective, except it's harder because you have to do your own. Because you have to write about it afterwards. Oh, wait, yeah. like a detective does. Like a detective does. Yeah. yeah, but you have to go and look for clues yourself. Like a, like a, detective, guess, like a detective does. Guys. Also, if you're a journalist and you don't find any clues, everyone's like, hmm, I guess that didn't go anywhere then. Mm. Whereas if you're the detective, you are very much expected to find the clues. <laughs> kind of the main part of your job. Also, yeah. as a journalist, you could sort of be like, I think I'm going to go find my own sort of clue. You know, you'd be like, what am I going to do? Detectives don't wake up and be like, 
wonder if there's any toxic waste under a burger <laughs> joint. Under a burger joint. I'm going to go check They're all like, the burger joints. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a real got a real inkling mm. there's going to be big oil drums full of glowing green liquid under one of them um so anyway so he dad tells lexi that she, what she has to do is an investigation but um, also he's trying to like warn her off this case he's like mr walker's disappearance is not a human interest piece it's a serious case and i don't want you getting involved but then uh lexi says hakuna matata but as she walks out of the room we see that her fingers were crossed behind her back so legally she's in the clear <laughs> exactly when she says Hakuna Matata, Disney lawyers rise furiously from their seats before realising incredibly this is one of theirs. <laughs> are, you sh- are you sure? Are you sure? Because this really, I'm, I'm just looking at the rest of our output and this <laughs> this feels like an outlier to me. Are you sure? It's not those Dosney guys. <laughs> we had all that trouble last year. <laughs> Once Dosney was... <laughs> he, got, he got in the eaves. And... Once Dosney. We don't want a repeat of want, Dosney. <laughs> we can't afford another want, Dosney. <laughs> he got all the copper wiring out of the walls. <laughs> if he invites you to Dosneyland, <laughs> do whatever you do. Do not, do not get on his Tower of Terror. <laughs> do not get in the van that he calls Dosneyland. <laughs> Uh, so we cut to a shot of a door and immediately you know that this is uh the quirky siblings room it's it's the classic load of signs private property no trespassing trespassers will be prosecuted to the full extent of the law etc you know that kind of police tape over the door because yeah 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 so taylor the quirky younger sibling opens the door with a remote control can you imagine theremin music is playing Mm mm-hmm she has on the table what she calls a stealth listening device, which yep. is a microphone by any other name. <laughs> yeah. She also has a wrist walkie-talkie, yeah. uh, which you need for hands-free agent-to-agent communication. So says. good. So good. Um, okay. So Lexi's like, wow, where do you even get all this stuff, Taylor? And Taylor's like, I get this stuff from the corner spy shop, which I mm. thought was a joke. But then <laughs> cut to... This is the second film we've watched with a spy shop. With as a spy kind of- shop? After first kid. What do they think spying mm. means? It means not having a shop called the spy shop. Well, it also, it's not really a spy shop. It's just a uh, shop full of borderline illegal covert surveillance devices. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's got that going for it. With like, with troubling implications. So Lexi is there. Behind her on a mannequin is what appears to be a gimp suit. It's got a <laughs> sign on it that says covert jacket camera. <laughs> There's like... Night vision goggles. Yeah. There's a big radar dish. There's a there's a lamp shaped like an egg with feet. <laughs> what can't you get here? I don't know if that's a spy thing the or just a, a cool a cool egg a foot egg lamp. This looks like a regular big egg. But, but, actually, but it's actually, but actually inside feet. is a tiny camera. Yeah, with a live feed of someone's bathroom. The, the feeds mean that it can get up and walk back to its handler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just gets up and walks across the Berlin Wall, past Checkpoint Charlie, <laughs> with all of the Soviet secrets. secrets. Lexi tries on a pair of rear view glasses, yeah, which let you see behind you. Yes, that's important for later. Uh, which is like the kind of thing that you buy for like two pounds in a joke shop. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, right. It's a novelty. An employee walks up. She's wearing a black T-shirt with the word "spy" on it enormously, <laughs> which is how you know she sucks at her <laughs> job. <laughs> 
Um, Lexi is, yeah, Lexi's having a look at these review glasses. In the review glasses, she spots Jen and Gabe mm. uh, sneaking in. Um, Gabe has his video camera, of course, and of he's course. pointing it in everyone's faces because that's his personality. And he says that he has the exclusive story on all this because he lives right next to Miss Walker. Yeah, he lives directly opposite across the street from Ms. Dawson. So, Oh, sorry, um, Ms. Dawson, yes. Yeah, Ms. Dawson. So Jen's great plan is to surveil her illegally. <laughs> Can you imagine? They all go back to Lexi's place, like the four of them. They're planning. Um, Jack thinks that they should split up. Yeah. Okay, our mission is to identify any suspicious activity or clues that might tell us what happened to Mr. Walker. All right. Now, even though we have all this equipment, nothing can substitute for our eyes, ears, and intuition. That's right. I think we should divide and conquer. Good idea. I propose that Jennifer and I go to Mr. Walker's house to search for clues, while you two go to Gabe's house and keep watch over Dawson's place. Did you get Walker's address? Uh, yeah, it's in Carroll Gardens. That's in Brooklyn. Brooklyn? I am not slipping all the way out to Brooklyn. Jennifer, a good spy does not question her assignment. So what? I'm not a good spy. I'll live. So Jen and Lexi want to go to Walker's house to search for clues while the boys will go to Gabe's house and keep watch over Mr. Dawson's place. But there's only one problem. Mr. Walker lives in ugh, Brooklyn and Jen is appalled. She will not leave Manhattan Island to go to stinky Brooklyn. Yeah, Lexi goes to call a car, but Jack says, hey, the subway will be quicker. And it becomes clear that Lexi has never done the subway. Mm. Um, but they boldly approach the subway. Meanwhile, in a runtime increasing scene, yep. we see Jen and Gabe to a cool 60s spy flute and bongo soundtrack <laughs> yeah they install illegal spying equipment outside miss dawson's apartment not subtly either it's a big camera pointing in through her living room window <laughs> okay picture a cctv camera yeah now imagine instead of discrete beige or white it's like black and shiny and also and pointing imagine, into your window also pointed square into your window and imagine that whenever it moves and it does move distractingly it goes Capturing footage. Footage <laughs> captures. Footage is illegal. Capturing illegal footage. <laughs> but inside Gabe's house, Jen is looking at his room, which is filled with endless tapes of home movies of himself, like a serial killer. Yeah. One of them is Gabe's birth. And Gabe explains this by saying, my dad got me started really young, implying that he filmed his own birth. <laughs> Your dad. <laughs> via, via an experimental procedure. A tiny video camera was placed, placed in, the in the baby's hand in utero and a small sort of endoscopic camera with a little prong on the end of it pressed the, a tiny record button. Well, no wonder he kept the video. Yeah, exactly. It's impressive. So, yeah, the camera's set up. It goes whenever it moves. Uh, they're looking right into Ms. Dawson's living room. Um, there are no murders taking place immediately and they're very disappointed. <laughs> So meanwhile, cutting back to Jack and Lexi. Oh my God. They emerge in Brooklyn, <laughs> having not shown us any subway hijinks, despite the, the film kind of promising that. <laughs> yeah. So they emerge in Brooklyn, okay? The camera shows us a bohemian man playing guitar, mm. a black person, yep. two, two Jewish, two Jewish people, two young women of different ethnicities, dif of different ethnicities talking, talking to each other. Wow, what a riot, Lexi says. <laughs> I mean, who knew is the dialogue that she says She's in the She's never film. seen anywhere as ethnic as Brooklyn. As Brooklyn, wow. Yeah. I mean, this is blowing my mind. Bearing in mind that she is from New York, one of the most cosmopolitan cities in America. Yeah, no, this is blowing her mind. Um, okay. Then there is some... And honestly, like, it sounds... <laughs> It might sound a bit like we're exaggerating it, but, but like, honestly, this scene setting montage, like, could not be more on the nose, 
borderline insult, yeah. like insulting. Two, like Orthodox Jews. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Just chatting away in the park. Yeah. A, a young black man with cornrows. Yeah. It, it's like uh, clearly at some point a conversation has taken place, which is like, how can we set the scene mm. that Brooklyn is a sort of vibrant, thriving, multicultural, multicultural society. place uh, that is going to absolutely blow Lexi's mind. Yeah. So that's happened. Yeah. Back at the illegal stakeout, um, yeah. Ms. Dawson comes home. Um, they watch her undress for a while and then she starts, <laughs> <laughs> she starts doing boxer size and Jen sort of joins in. Back in Brooklyn, the camera pans across. Shops selling foreign foodstuffs. Yep. There's some Arabic writing on a sign. Yeah. Whoa, <laughs> says Lexi. Satziki proclaims a sign behind Lexi. Lexi <laughs> us Um Suddenly they're accosted by like a, a wizard, I think. They're accosted by what looks... What looks to be like what looks to be what looks to be like big what looks, what looks to be like a wizard. It's so okay, so they're accosted by a man. Yes. With a very long black hair and a long black beard that is like extremely like joke shop fake. Yes. He's wearing the same rain slicker that Mr. Orlando Walker was wearing earlier. Yes. It's implied that he is a person currently experiencing homelessness. Yes. Uh, he kind of b- bumps into Lexi, mm. obviously terrifying her because living yeah. in Manhattan. And he sort of snarls, never... at, snarls at her she, as well. He's like, yeah. she's, she's never encountered. He, oh my God. Yeah. He, yeah, he does snarl at her. Okay, yeah. file that away. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> file under that. <laughs> that doesn't that's going to be a thing. So, okay. So this seems like an important clue, doesn't it? Because it does. this man is wearing the missing Mr. Walker's coat. Yeah. How did he come by it? There's certainly an interesting story there that probably is pertinent to the case. Exactly. Lexi's like Lexi's looking at it like she's not she's not yeah. certain. But she's, she's like, hang on, I'm sure that was Mr. Walker's coat. Yeah. She's like, there couldn't be two green coats but, in a small city like New York. But this, but but you know, fair enough. Fashion is her thing. At this point, I'm leaning the f in because <laughs> yeah. like, I genuinely can't figure out how did this coat get on this. Stranger, yeah, on this gentleman in Brooklyn. I, I think, I think this is like they could have done this a lot better. Like, if because he's, it's just a green coat. Yeah. If like earlier in the film she'd bumped into Mr. Walker and he'd spilled like coffee creamer on his coat. Yeah. And then she saw him with the coat and they had the same stain. Then you'd be like, <laughs> damn, nailed him to the wall. It's the same, it's the same coat. coat. Yeah. This sends the case in a whole new direction. <laughs> But that Andy, stop trying to <laughs> stop, stop referencing superior media. It's making me sad. I, I want it to be better. So yeah, the man the man runs off in the coat, um, and they don't pursue him because it's it's just a hunch at the moment. Yeah. But clearly, this is going to become story shatteringly important later on. At Mister Walker's house, they duck behind the bins and see what's this. Miss Stern, the head of... Oh my God, this twisty story is getting it's getting ever more complicated and intriguing. It's wild. It's like a snake trying to eat itself, this this twisting mm. case. So Miss Stern, Stern... Here? Here? Now? What? The at, head, at the apartment of the missing Mr. Walker? Yeah. What's, what is Miss Stern doing here? She, Damn, she comes intriguing. coming out of his home? That's weird. Miss Stern doesn't see them because they hide. Then Lexi remembers the two of them having that weird argument the day he went yes. missing. Hmm. That's so juicy. Exactly. File Miss Stern under S for suspect. Yeah, Miss Sustern. Yeah. They, more like they enter his apartment and snoop around. Lexi well, says, yeah, they, so they go to his the missing man's apartment. The door is ajar. There are no police there, and they just sort of <laughs> let themselves in and start touching <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I really like this sleuthing thing, says Lexi, just putting sort of pouring, on everything. <laughs> pouring through this man's drawers. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, the the only note I've got on this scene is that, again, the music is good. Yeah. Jack notices a, a monogrammed briefcase bearing the initials NP. NP. What does it stand for? They got a clue. Mm. Another clue. They explore further into the palatial apartment that yes. this um, teacher owned. Lexi opens a wardrobe and the mirror in the door swings around to reveal <gasps> Dimitri Dentatos, <laughs> the vampire. It's a, it's a jump scare. It's a jump scare in a decom. Behind her in the mirror, a besuited man. And it is, as Andy said... Charles Shaughnessy, the actor who played Dimitri Dentatos in Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. It was a punch the air moment for me. What a triumphant. Uh, yeah, incredible. He's dressed exactly like Dimitri Dentatos. He's doing the same voice. He's doing the he, same he character. Is in fact he's, doing diff- yeah. he, he's got a different name. If this film came out in 2023, I would assume that this was some sort of AI deep fakery. Like we just sort of reused assets from Mom's Got a Date <laughs> with a Vampire. Back at Illegal Cameras HQ, um, Gabe has fallen asleep. But Jen... Gives him a shove, shakes him awake, because look, on the camera, there's a man in Miss Dawson's apartment. And what's this? <gasps> it's Mr. Goldblum. Oh my God, the plot thickens even more. Another one of their teachers. Miss Stern, Mr. Goldblum, the coat, the NP briefcase, yep. this mysterious besuited man. Dawson and Mr. Goldblum hug. What? As well. What does it mean? Yeah, and he's, it, for part of this scene, his face is obscured by his potted plant. It's so bloody intriguing. I know. Well, did, did they, at this point, I'm theorising, like, did they work together to disappear Mr. Walker? Yeah. Right? It's possible. Yeah, what did he know? But anyway, more importantly, it's time for a scene with Dimitri Tentatos, who in this film <laughs> is going under the name Detective Meanie. Yeah. He says, I'm Detective Meanie and you two are on private property. Yes. In that, vo- that voice he has. Please continue to believe that I am a New York detective, yep. despite clearly being from the United Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Detective Meany. And you two are on private property. Do you realize it's against the law? No. No, no sir. We didn't. Of, of course not. It is. Now, who are you and what are you doing here? I'm Lexi Golden. This is Jack Downey. We're students of Mr. Walker's. Is he alive, sir? That's police business. But if you know anything about his disappearance, I suggest you tell me now. Uh, he wants he wants answers. It seems he's investigating the case. Lexi asks him for the time, and they, they sort of zoom in on his watch um, in its fancy. Yeah. He says, it's half past three, but the face of the watch clearly says it's half past 11. <laughs> How hard is this, folks? <laughs> You can't, How hard is it? Yeah, but you can't just... But Andy, they would have had to wait three hours. <laughs> There's no way to change the time on a watch. Like, yeah. They're not going to sit around all that time, are they, and just wait? No. There's no way. No, there's simply no way. So they leave. Um, they get away from Dimitri. Lexi thinks that he isn't a detective because a New York detective could never afford a platinum watch, a Pomoni suit, an alligator boots. And probably also wouldn't be from, like, Clapham or Cambridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's a bit presumptuous, um, you know. He could have family money. He could have a partner who makes a lot of money. Yeah. And also, I would guarantee that Lexi has zero idea what a New York detective makes. Maybe they do make enough to afford all that stuff. Also, if you met a New York detective with a real fancy watch, you wouldn't be like, I don't think he's a detective. You'd be like, I think he's on the take, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's a dirty cop. Intrigue. You're like, wow, what does he... Yeah, who's he in bed with, I wonder? Yeah. But yeah, this is the first time, and this will come back. I bet that'll be a thing later. Yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. <laughs> but this is this is something that does come back later, in that her liking clothes has come in handy, because she spotted all the details. Yep. Um, so Jack 
um, approvingly notes that her obsession with material objects is coming in handy. Yeah. Um, it's clear through that through the process of conducting this investigation, and I use that word extremely loosely, <laughs> uh, the two of them are growing closer and finding that their differences, blah, 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 yeah. blah, 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 blah. So Lexi suggests going back to hers to continue the case, but Jack says, no, my place is right here. Uh, it's a handsome three-story home with a porch. Um, why didn't you say you lived in Brooklyn, you poor? Says Lexi. <laughs> Lexi is shocked. Honestly, it's a perfectly nice house in what looks to me like a really nice neighbourhood. Yeah. He explains shamefacedly that he is on a scholarship to the fancy school that they attend. Lexi vomits. And every every time during this this whole sequence, like he'll say something like, oh, you know, I'm on a scholarship and my mum has a job. Every time she's like, oh... Ugh. Ugh. It's like her reactions are awful. Gross. This is the third one, right? After this, we're done. <laughs> this is three and I'm out. Yeah. That's what I said. Three and I'm out. I don't want to do words in this scene. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to make grossed out noises. <laughs> so yeah, so Jack is like, hey, it's not so bad here. Here in Brooklyn, we all we all know our neighbours. He yeah, just we all keep to, it real. We're all in and out of each other's houses all day. <laughs> he all gestures to his. It's like they're sort of making it out like it's like the um the bottom of the Titanic. You know, it's like yeah. the, the hey yeah. If that's old fashioned, then yeah, call me old fashioned. Exactly, it's like up in first class. The yeah, the, the blue noses with their seventeen <laughs> forks. And meanwhile, Jack is sort of spinning yeah, spinning round in um yeah. Yeah, class. a house like that in Brooklyn these days would set you back easily a million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really nice house. So mm. as if the Disney Channel couldn't make its position any clearer, Lexi walks in and says in shock, what's your mum doing home in the middle of the day? Like this is a totally alien concept. Yeah. Um, she does have a job though, but it's one that she has to do at night. Yeah, she has, <laughs> she, she, no, she, has, she has a job, but it's a worthy one. It's one that it's okay yeah. for a mum to have according to the Disney Channel, which is emergency room nurse. Get this as well. She can cook. So yeah, Lexi stops in her tracks. Something smells amazing, she says. I've never smelled anything good in my house where my yeah, <laughs> we only eat swans. Yeah, where my <laughs> professional mother is never home. Yeah, where Gilda are live in help yeah. cooks fabulous meals. Also, this so Jack's mom who can cook, despite the fact that this film came out in 2002, she's listening to like 1950s crooners because yeah. because because here at the Disney Channel we liked things just fine the way they used to be done. She's like, they walk into the kitchen and she, and she's like, oh, hello, have lemon squares. Yeah. Which I bet she loves baking for no reason after mm. a night spreading rib cages in the ER. <laughs> she asks them what they're doing and um, Jack says they're doing a school project. They're going to go upstairs. The next scene is so funny to me. Um, Lexi starts, her sleuthing instincts kick in and she starts looking at pictures on the wall. <laughs> She sees a picture of um, Jack with uh, with his brother Todd. Where is he? Says Lexi. Now there's a clue here in this <laughs> in the picture in which Jack is wearing a t-shirt which says the word Navy. Yeah. And then the camera cuts to Jack and he is wearing the same t-shirt that says Navy across it in massive block letters. And Jack says he's in the Navy. <laughs> he's stationed in Hawaii. Which does explain why this whole scene Jack is wearing a t-shirt that says Navy in big letters. Navy in big but we've letters. we've also had someone in this movie wearing a t-shirt that says spy. Do you think these are like war wardrobe department placeholders? 
a temporary costume while yeah. we wait for the budget to come back. Yeah, I, I will CGI in, um, you know, the kind of su- the, the kind of outfit that a real spy or that someone yeah. whose brother. Wait is a minute, where are the be. actual where are the actual costumes? They look out the window and they see <laughs> what Dosney in in Dusty Land driving off down the street. Damn it, he's done it again. <laughs> okay, so they talk about how Jack's dad died yeah. after a long illness. Mm-hmm. Um, the film really, really labours this point that Jack is a real American, yeah, not out of touch like the coastal elite scum, yeah, that uh, that Lexi, Lexi family, rubs yeah. rubs shoulders with. Of course, it's the Disney Channel doing this, so it doesn't do it like well or smartly or sensitively. It just shows you a, a beautiful house in Brooklyn, and it's like, wow, look how look how bad people can, can you live. imagine people can live you like imagine this? can you imagine yeah. look, and yet these rats that eke out a meager existence. <laughs> In this hellhole, they do sort of manage to scrape together some kind of community, don't they? They scratch and claw and yeah. <laughs> and yet there is a nobility, isn't there? In their mm. in their poverty. So Jack and Lexi get on the computer. Uh, um, the, the, Lexi notices a bunch of bowling trophies, and I feel like at this point we know too much about Jack, like a distractingly large amount. Uh, yes. So th- the note that I have here is that the whole movie at this point has slowed down massively. Mm. The note I have here is if this bowling isn't important later, I'm going to be mad. Yeah, well... Because it's like, why are you giving us all these details? This is going to be important later. But this this is how the film has pivoted at this point, because earlier you're like, ooh, what's this thing? Intrigue. Could it be a clue? But here the film has ground to a halt to sort of belabor its point about real people, real America Mm. and Brooklyn and stuff, and the blue noses in Manhattan. Sure. Uh, But to do that... Like it, it slowed down so much that then when it introduces some new intrigue, like Jack likes bowling, you're not intrigued. You're just annoyed. Yeah. You're like, this better be important film. This better be important later. I'm going to be pissed. So what are all these trophies for? I like to bowl. I hear that you have to wear shoes that other people have worn. Well, you know, real bowlers have their own shoes. I'm not quite sure, but I think they have their own socks and underwear too. But that's the really good bowlers. Is this the computer that Mr. Walker gave you? Mm-hmm. I can see why. It's ancient. I like to bowl. Because here at the Disney Channel, we think the way folks used to do things was yeah. just fine. <laughs> just fine. Bowling. Maybe it's not for today's youth. You're right, says the hot dog. You're you're right, says the lemon slice. What was it? You're out of the alley cats. Oh, Matt. Good. <laughs> Wait, I've just remembered that's good. So Lexi and Jack get on the... They get on the computer, and it's. Uh, we should point out that it's. Um, it's been revealed earlier that this computer was given to Jack by Mr. Walker. It's his old computer. Yes. Um, so that they're on the New York private detective listing, searching for Charles Meany. Yeah. So they look up Meany on a website. The website is called New York Private Detective Listings. They get five PIs in the New York mm. State with that surname, which seems like a lot, but whatever. Um, there is a Charles Meany listed. They're like, okay, well, maybe he is the real deal. Maybe he is really a, a, a mm. real private investigator or whatever. Um, but then Jack checks his email yeah. and is stunned. This is this scene is, is presented <laughs> so weirdly. Because <laughs> it, it like pings and he, he goes, that's not possible. I have an email. And Lexi is looking at the same monitor as him. Yeah. They're both looking at the monitor. Yeah. And she says, who's the email from while looking at the monitor? Yeah. And then you can read, Lexi, it says on the screen. Yeah. And then he says, 
oh, it's from Mr. Walker. Mm. As if that's, but that's not the bit he, he the bit he was stunned by, the bit that's impossible was the bit where he got an email. He got an email. Well, he's very unpopular because of his haircut. So yeah, so the music's going wild at this point. Um, This Mm. email is a letter of recommendation uh, that Mr. Walker promised he would give Jack to help him with his education. The letter is dated four days ago, but the email wasn't sent until yesterday. How does a dead man send email? Asks Lexi. Scheduling? Email scheduling? That's probably probably what it is. Or, you know, it was the old days. Emails sometimes just... Didn't arrive for ages, did they? Got stuck in the pipe. Yep. Um, Jack remembers this computer used to belong to Mr. Walker. He checks Mm. the system info, and this computer is licensed to a Nicholas Petrosian. Mm. (gasps) NP. The initials on the briefcase at Mr. Walker's house. And at this point, you're like, Mm. oh my God, this film is going to tie it all together. Yeah. It's going to do it. Andy, I don't think anything could be more puzzling than the brutal slaying of Mr. Walker from the Disney Channel original movie, Get a Clue. Well, Luke, what about the many classic jigsaw puzzles from Ravensburger? Ravensburger? Yeah, but they don't just do jigsaw puzzles and the board games we all know so well. What? I'm reeling here. That's right, I'm introducing to you, Luke, Creart by Ravensburger, the ultimate painting by number experience. Painting by numbers? Yep, you'll find everything you need to start your artistic journey today with Ravensburger's carefully curated painting by numbers kits. Wow, well, whether you're a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or a beginner eager to explore the world of painting, Ravensburger's kits cater to all skill levels and ages. Maybe you should embrace the therapeutic benefits of painting by numbers, Andy. So I don't go and murder teachers, for example. Yeah, so that you don't drive Mr. Walker's car into the Easter egg. We're, give, <sighs> we're giving away the ending of the movie. Sorry, you yes. did it. Yeah, it was, yeah, Andy did it. But if only I'd found these incredible paint by numbers kits before, maybe my murderous rage would have dissipated. Something's got to dissipate it. So, yeah could have melted away the stresses of daily life and found solace in the act of creation without facing the pressure of a blank canvas. <laughs> Easily explore Ravensburger's wide selection of enchanting designs on Amazon. They've got majestic landscapes. They've got adorable animals. They've got everything in between. Crime scenes. Crime. I don't, I don't actually know if they've got crime scenes. Well, maybe you can check on Amazon and see if they do. Uh, let your imagination run wild and embrace the joy of painting with Creart by Ravensburger. Shop Creart on Amazon today. Now, Luke, you're probably admiring this T-shirt I'm wearing, which says Radan Festival. Yeah. At Redmain Castle. You're probably thinking to yourself, hey, that's a cool guy who goes to festivals. Yeah. Well, what if I told you that this is actually an Elden Ring video game T-shirt? What? You didn't go to a festival? No. What this T-shirt actually is denoting is that I am a man who has beaten Star Scourge Radan in Elden Ring. That's right. I hold that in much higher estimation than going to a mm. silly old festival and seeing... Uh, the kooks. <laughs> but Luke, <laughs> the Hoosiers. Yeah, you know, festival favourites. But Luke, that's the great thing about insert coin clothing. Yeah. Excellent uh, video game related apparel. They look like fashionable clothes that you would want to wear, but they're also references to your favourite video exactly. games. Video games such as Elden Ring or Resident Evil. It's the dream scenario because you can have a really cool like festival style t-shirt without having to actually have to go to a festival, which is without actually having... <laughs> to watch Kasabian. <laughs> yeah. So put down that The Coral CD and instead pick up your phone to go to insertcoinclothing.com. That's right. Insert Coin have given us a code so that you can save uh, 10% on your order. Simply use the code you don't mess with the Lohan. No reaction to that one, Luke? I'm just... I'm just blown away. I'm just picking myself up off the floor here. That's... 
you don't mess with the Lohan, like Lindsay Lohan's surname, all one word, all caps, and that'll give you 10% off online orders. Codes are not applicable on charity items, bundles, gift cards, postage, and some products at launch. Codes cannot be combined with other deals or promotions and are valid until the end of 2023. Oh man, they got Starfield stuff, I'm just looking in here. Ah, <gasps> mm-hmm. oh, oh, they got Gran Turismo stuff now as well, Andy, your favourite. Got, yeah, yeah, I love, I love Turismoing. They've got a trial mountain hoodie. They've got it all, and yeah, I look like a guy who's been to a music festival, but also I look like a guy who had a hundred goes trying to beat Starscourge Redan before he finally <laughs> found a way to cheese it. So, a little more impressive, I think. I think, I think so. Meanwhile. Back at Voyeur Central, yeah. Jen and Gabe are still spying away on Ms. Dawson, having a conversation with Mr. Goldblum. Jen's pager goes, Lexi wants to meet. Gabe is like, I'd better leave the camera going so I don't miss anything. <laughs> so the gang gets together to review. I think we should have a clip of this because I think it's actually a useful catch up of like mm. where we are in this film that actually has a surprising number of plot elements and characters. Well, so Mr. Walker's real name is Nicholas Petrosian? Well, you can't blame him for changing a name like that. Hey, you think I could change my name? Sure, why not? Okay, you guys, let's review today's developments. Okay. Now, we saw Mr. and leaving Mr. Walker, I mean Petrosian's apartment in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. where a dubious detective claimed to be on the case. Uh-huh. Mr. Goldblum was leaving Miss Dawson's apartment. All right, all right. And some homeless guy in Brooklyn was wearing Mr. Walker's jacket. <laughs> that is so bizarre. What was Mr. wearing? It was hard to tell. I think Excuse me. Who cares? Can we continue? Yeah, whatever. Go right ahead. Okay. We don't know why Miss Stern was at Mr. Walker's apartment. But even Let's I not admit- forget, she had some sort of argument with Mr. Walker right before he disappeared. Yeah. Totally fishy. My thought exactly, Jen. Mm-hmm. Now, this detective, it was- Well, what's wrong with him? Well, nothing really. He was just sort of creepy. And he dressed way too flashy to be a detective. You know, Cameron Diaz dressed pretty flashy in Charlie's Angels. <laughs> Jen. <laughs> okay, so it looks like Mr. Goldblum is somehow uh, involved with Miss Dawson. But just yesterday, Mr. Walker broke her heart. And then she threatened him. Juicy, isn't it? Maybe Mr. Goldblum and Miss Dawson conspired to get rid of Mr. Walker. Whoa. What's their motive? I mean, just because he was at Miss Dawson's house doesn't mean With that. his arm around her? Mm-hmm. He was jealous. But how do we explain this homeless guy? I don't know. But there can't be more than one hideous Aussie coat like that in New York City. Oh, come on. Maybe the guy just found it. No way. What you got here, Jack? I just ran a search on the name Nicholas Petrosian, and this came up in the Arizona Dispatch. Nicholas Petrosian, a banker, mysteriously disappeared, and there's evidence to indicate that he may be dead. Just recently, he has been charged with fraud and embezzlement. Petrosian is survived by his mother, who resides in Brighton Beach, New York. I say we pay her a visit. Sure, I'll work on getting her address. It's interesting to me, looking at my notes at this point, because they are written by someone who is excited. I've written, this blows the case wide open. Takes it in a whole new direction, yeah. I don't know what the case is, but it's wide open. Yeah. And I've said that this mystery has a million threads. It's wild, genuinely more plot than, like, Happy Valley or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I read those notes back now, I feel faintly embarrassed by them because of <laughs> how where I know this film is going, but fine. What could possibly bring all this together? So Jack has been Googling again. He Googled Petrosian. Yeah. Nicholas Petrosian, I guess, and an article pinged up from the Arizona Dispatch. Another brilliantly written article. Yep. 
The article uh, is that the headline is Banker Cashed Out. Yeah. The article explains that Petrosian was a banker who disappeared, presumed dead. Mysteriously disappeared, and there's evidence to indicate that he may be dead, it says. <laughs> what, like a limb? It doesn't say what the evidence is, but, you know, his head was found in the river. <laughs> Just recently, he has been charged with fraud and embezzlement. He is survived by his mother, who resides in Brighton Beach, New York. I, I say we pay her a visit, says Lexi. Sure, I'll dox her right now, says Jack. It's a lead. So, in high school... Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack comes up to tell them that he's found Mrs. Petrosian's address. He used a little Brooklyn common sense and checked the phone book. Mm. So wouldn't occur to you, Manhattan you blue, no, blue noses. <laughs> <laughs> Stroke your beards and cluck your tongues. Yeah, and say, what's to be done about this Brooklyn Jack? So Jen notices that a spark seems mm. to be sparking between Jack and Lexi and needles Lexi about it a bit. Yeah. So we cut to Brighton Beach, which is historically a place with a high population of Russian-speaking immigrants. It's what the sort of starting area of Grand Theft Auto 4 is based on. Yep. The whole thing is soundtracked by kind of Baltic oompa music. <laughs> yes. Yes. An elderly woman answers the door and you're like, ooh, this is exciting. Who's this elderly woman? Mm. But then from behind the woman emerges Mr. Walker. Oh. And at this point, the film sucks. So bad. <laughs> the film sucks so bad. He's not dead. Yeah. He's not even missing anymore. He just walks out and he's like, hello. Hey, hello. He doesn't tell them to go away or anything. Yeah. He just sort of beckons them in, smiling. He's just like, oh, hello, yes. No, come in. Yeah. There appears to be no mystery or intrigue <laughs> or suspense or anything. So so they go inside and... Yeah, his mum yeah. has prepared a platter of good-ass looking food. It's like eel and pickled herring and all those foods you get at like an appetizing store like a jewish deli yeah no thank you says lex in disgust and jack also looks appalled yeah at this ethnic food that's not the kind of food we eat around here in america where are the hamburgers well riddled with toxic waste (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you where the hamburgers are we've only got eel now so mr walker comes clean i'm not guilty i was framed Oh, you can say that again. Back in the 80s, I was a uh, young, eager banker in Arizona, working hard, trying to claw my way up the corporate ladder. I had just landed a really big, important account, and everyone started taking notice, especially Granville. I was on top of the world. Summer? Gentlemen! (laughs) Who's Granville? Oh, he was my boss. I never liked that man. Mother, please. (laughs) Well, it was short-lived anyway. Very soon after, uh, somebody stole $10 million out of that new account and put it into a foreign account in my name. I was framed for the theft. Why didn't you just withdraw it and turn it into the police? Well, I immediately went to do that, but the account was empty. So Mr. Walker says he was framed for fraud and embezzlement in the 80s in Arizona. So, like, everything you just heard, listener, we actually see this in flashback. He was working a huge account in the bank for his boss, a person named Granville. Now, look, I'm just going to be real with you, listener. At the point where they drop the name Granville, you probably know it's the British f***, don't you? Also, also he says um, the only other person he mentions by name in this entire story is this Granville. And he's like, I landed a big client and Granville started to take notice. Then suddenly someone framed me. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) no idea who it was. I don't know who it was. 
But yeah. they couldn't have been Granville. Not Granville. <laughs> so someone put $10 million in a foreign account in his name. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then immediately took it out. And then immediately took it out. And he was framed for the theft. Uh, he says that he never found out who framed him because lots of people had access to the account. So it seems weird that he then had to flee. Yeah, because if lots, because of, if people... lots of people had access to the account, probably like no one would automatically assume that he definitely did this, right? You could probably clear yeah. your name. And also, if you were doing this, you wouldn't create the account in your name, probably. <laughs> probably not. It's the sort of thing a forensic accountant could probably, like, <laughs> probably blow through in about 20 minutes. Yeah. Also, I noticed that Granville hasn't been to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he says that he fled but was pursued by mysterious threatening messages. Yeah. Uh, so he decided to fake his own death. <laughs> sure. He found a year dead teacher <laughs> called Orlando Walker and became him. So yeah, so he found a teacher who died a year earlier and stole his identity and started teaching children with no qualifications or checks. Mm-hmm. And it was all going fine until he fell in love. Oh no. Mm. And then Lexi's article came out and because that had a photo in it, it, I don't know, I guess... The the 80s Arizona people were reading the New York tabloid. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no, I am interested in this story about teachers doing it. <laughs> that afternoon, uh, Mr. Petrosian slash Walker says he felt someone was following him. Then when he came home, he found a note, but the note was smudged by rain. It says something, 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 palm lobby, you'll pay. If you don't pay, your girlfriend will. So they're like, you're being blackmailed, Mr. Walker. Mm. So what, then he faked his death again? Is that why his car was in the river? I, Oh my God, they don't ever... They don't address it really, do they? No, they don't ever talk about why his car was in the river or how he did that. Also, if you if you fake... Okay. It's, it, okay. it feels like his kind of stock response to uh, any hardship in his life is to fake his <laughs> Drive into the East Bay. Yeah. Splash, yeah, into the into the freezing river, yeah, this ought to do it. But no, I don't, I don't think they explain. Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll readopt the identity that I binned off because it was not livable anymore. Yeah, but also, like, if he if he did fake his death, which presumably is what happens, and why his car was in the river. Yeah, why is he emailing recommend like <laughs> recommendations for scholarships when he's supposed to be dead? I don't. They don't know. explain that either. It's like I don't even think we have time. And, and frankly, I don't have the energy or will to get into yeah. the myriad ways this doesn't make sense and is a disappointing solution, let alone that it comes with like still another like 25 minutes of the film. Mm. It is just, oh, it's rubbish. The, the kind of central mystery has been abandoned at this point, and the, the new mystery is now this note, yeah. which has been smudged by rain in such a way that some letters are smudged and others have vanished entirely from the page. I'm not sure how that happens but they need to figure out what hotel this meeting is supposed to be taking place in that's now the driving part of the plot i'll tell you this andy though if they if it was just a note where would the runtime be it's a great great point so instead lexi goes to uh to, to clue and taylor the little sister uh and they she she joins the gang broadly speaking they they want to find out what hotel this meeting is supposed to take place at then they will use mr walker as bait to catch mm-hmm. the real criminal so Taylor, because she's a nerd, she's M- M- she's Emma Sky from Ace Attorney. She's got the luminol spray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she puts on a set of gloves and does forensics on the note. Uh, she appears to smear it with PVA glue and pepper, but the music is going bleep bloop bloop 
bleep, 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 bleep. So, <laughs> so you know it's legit. It's science. Um, She's installed a UV light in the room that bathes the entire room in UV lights yes. for some reason. Uh, it reveals the smudged words, Fairmark Hotel, Saturday 2pm. Mm. Uh, so they have, they, they have a plan and a solid lead. But on the way out the door, Dad stops Lexi to tell her, yeah. according to the Daily Examiner, there's a new headline. This case has been sent in a whole new direction. The, the teach is a leech. The article reveals that the police claim Mr. Walker may be a missing embezzler in hiding since 1987. So his past is catching up with him. And the absolute best thing about this is that when the dad shows the newspaper, I don't know if you spotted this, Andy, but the name on the byline on this article is... Alexandra Gold, which is the protagonist's <laughs> name. With that, <laughs> yeah. So she wrote He's, this article. He shows Lexi an article that she's written, <laughs> revealing that the police are claiming Mister <laughs> Walker may be missing embezzler. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, so, I'm. Uh, how hard is it, folks? We've seen a few different news, uh, and it's. I mean, obvi- look, look, look. There's not look. much time, is there? You've got to do two newspapers. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan's got a foot out the door. Yeah, exactly. Want Dosney's runoff with half your equipment. <laughs> Want Dosney took all the real newspaper props. <laughs> He's using them to stage his own production nosies. <laughs> Cackling all the while. Yeah, nosies on Broadway. So yeah, it's... Oh, man, it's brilliant. <laughs> so the article that is written by Lexi... Oh yeah, I, so I paused this to read it. The article says the police believe that Orlando which you'll remember is Mr. Petrosian's mm. name. Yeah. Orlando may have facial hair today, or he may be in disguise, which I just think would have been a good idea. Yeah, right. <laughs> he isn't. He doesn't have any facial hair. No. And he's not in disguise. No. He's at his mum's house. <laughs> yeah, okay, again. The, <laughs> again, the police have made the he's connection between Petrosian. He's at his mum's house, and if kids he knows come to the door, he goes, hello. Hello, Hello, I'm not dead. Here's the story. Would you like some meal? (laughs) The police don't at any point investigate his closest living relative. No, Um, (laughs) simply no time. There's simply no time. So uh, as Lexi leaves, Taylor gives her some walkie talkies and says good luck. So their sisterly arc of friendship is complete. Yeah. And now spy music. Yeah, Lexi meets up with the others. They're all dressed in black with sunglasses. They look like they just got out of a screening of The Matrix and decided to base their whole personality around it. Yeah. Yeah, if Disney made a movie about hackers, yes. this is how they would be dressed. If Disney made hackers. Yeah, if Disney if had made Disney hackers, made hackers this, is the, this, is this is the car. This is it. So anyway, so in, in, in a kind of spy-ish montage... We see Mr. Walker mm. uh, equipped with spy glasses, a watch walkie-talkie, and a beret because he's a spy. <laughs> beret. Because he's a spy. They don't... Spy value of beret yeah. is undetermined. They, should, they don't give him a newspaper with eye holes cut out, but that's <laughs> but that's kind of that's kind, <laughs> kind of the caliber of spying equipment that we're talking yeah. with. Um, they all they all walk into the Fairmark Hotel. They couldn't look more <laughs> suspicious or eye-catching. Oh, in fact, like a, a random old woman in the lobby looks at them and says, I think those kids are up to no good. <laughs> so they're dressed so weird. They enter the hotel. They're, weirdly, they're not arrested for looking the way that they do. Mm. Um, then, bearing in mind how long they've been planning this operation, what they do is they go in. They, they conspicuously give Mr. Walker 
a big yeah. thumbs up and then stand Mr. about. Walk off, walks up to them and they all exchange <laughs> big thumbs up. Big thumbs up and then they stand about two meters away from him, looking extremely sus. And then yeah. they go, "Oh hey, look, it's two p.m. I.e. too late because that's the actual <laughs> meeting time." Then yeah, they go, oh, Jen, uh, Jen goes, yeah. "It's two o'clock. Can you stand this? It's two o'clock. It's two p.m. So because it's two p.m., they duck lazily behind some nearby ferns." She's shrieking this presumably in earshot of the blackmailer who is there waiting. Yeah, right. Everyone decides on the stroke of two yeah. is the time to start acting unsuspicious. Yeah, exactly. Uh, hoping that the blackmailer is late. <laughs> so the blackmailer walks into this scene, sees Mr. Walker, and then sees four teenagers sort of crouched behind ferns. Holding video cameras. <laughs> just all in black leather, covered in like beeping video equipment. <laughs> no experienced criminal would show up to this meet. No. In walks Ms. Dawson. So, so that's a little intriguing. Um, but Lexi is confused. She says, I left her a message to lie low, but she probably didn't understand it. <laughs> she says, I, which... I can't... It's so disappointing to me the degree to which this film has started to become like low effort. Mm -hmm. Like Miss Dawson walking in and someone saying... I don't know why she's here. I told her not to come and she's here. At no point in this movie is Lexi ever suspicious of Ms. Dawson, no. which just feels like such an easy way to add some intrigue. I know. And at this point, she walks into the hotel. Lexi says that she told her to stay away. So you're like, damn, she, but she's here anyway. She must be involved somehow. But Lexi's like, no, she isn't, though. She isn't, though. So then, in short order, and I, I do mean short order, like it, it, one thing after another, mm -hmm. the kids see Mr. Goldblum. The other teacher. Yeah. It's Mr. Goldblum, screams Jen, two feet away from him. Yeah. The man with the big beard and the long coat who they saw in Brooklyn. They see him in the hotel. They're in like a hotel lobby. He walks mm -hmm. into, he walks through like a sort of conference room door with a brass thing on it that says O'Hanlon's. Oh, yeah. Is right. there like an Irish bar in the lobby of this Ibis or whatever? They have, they have bar conference rooms, I suppose. I guess. Yeah. 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 Then in, yeah. So in, as you say, in short order, the, um, the man in the coat from earlier is thrown out of the bar and chased by security. Yes. In walks Mr. Walker's mum and Miss Stern. Basically, every cast member we've seen so far is now in play. Yeah. And at this point, I was faintly holding on to some kind of hope that there is going to be like a big mega... I was honestly oh, thinking... Man, like a murder on the Orient Express style, like everyone did it. Yes, kind of. exactly. Yeah, like everyone. Or like it's a prank show. Or so, you know, or like. Well, that's that's what Lexi says at one point. Oh my god, she does, she does, yes. Yeah. Um, which is how I really sort of lampshade. I realised, oh, I guess it's not that. Then it's probably going to be something mm. worse. So, Detective Meany arrives, surprising no one. Detective Meany, the evil vampire man. Yeah. Is <laughs> is Nigel Granville, is, or like exactly, some other incredibly British name? Actually, Granville, and he confronts yeah. uh, Mr. Walker, aka Petrosian. Petrosian. Granville. I can't believe it's you. you. You did this to me? Why? I was your best employee. Your, your toughest deal maker. I never did believe you were a dead man. Well, you ruined my life for all intents and purposes. I am dead. <laughs> well, I must say, for a dead man, you certainly seem to be enjoying yourself. Right. Enjoyed living my life on the run. You set me up. <laughs> of course I did, old boy. You're such an easy mark. Why not make it easy on yourself now and hand it over? I don't have the money. Well, of course you don't have the money, you fool. Just, just give me what belongs to me. Don't go there, Mr. Walker. Just trap him. To make you go away, I'll give you half of it right now. Half? Half? 
episode, uh, Detective Meany, who I'm just going to start calling Granville now because it's funnier. I'm going to call him Dimitri Dentatos. Do you call yeah, him let's call him Dimitri. Yeah. Dimitri Dentatos. So Granville, aka Dimitri Dentatos, says, give me what belongs to me. Yeah. Which is weird. Uh, so bluffing, Walker says that he'll give him half now. And then there's a loud feedback whine from this dodgy spy equipment. Yeah. Realising that this is a sting operation. Mm-hmm. By children. Yeah, by children. Granville Dentatos. stands up and for some reason shoves his briefcase into Mr. Walker's arms yeah. and runs away, yeah. throwing a suitcase in his path to slow him down. So Dentatos makes a run for it. Walker rolls his ankle um, and the kids start chasing. They split up. Um, Gabe and Jen go upstairs. Um, Jack and Lexi go downstairs. The guy in the duster with the long hair and beard, he's also still being chased by a security guard. Yeah. So it's kind of what this is now the sort of wacky chase portion of every decom. Yeah, it is like uh, I can't describe how wacky it is. Yeah, I'm so I'm I'm feeling so let down. Jack and Lexi go down into some sort of maintenance service basement, like a boiler room. Yeah. They spot um, Dentatos running through the machinery. He throws some barrels at them like Donkey Kong. Yeah. And, then, and then he pulls a lever that makes both the lights go off and steam to start coming out of pipes. Yeah, it's the... Good lever. Yeah, it's the... Well, maybe the steam is powering the lights. And it's like... Yeah. Uh, yeah, or something. Anyway, so go somewhere. he pulls a lever that fires deadly steam at them. Uh Lexi's bracelet is caught on a bit of pipe work. Yeah. Uh, she's at risk of being dangerously steamed. Yeah, well, the pipes are like sequentially releasing steam down the length of them. And she can't get away. And there's a, one is going to shoot some steam in her face. Yeah. But then Jack cuts her free with some kind of wire cutters. Some bolt cutters. Uh, yeah, so they, they escape. And breathlessly, as they, as, they, like, uh, as they get through the door, Lexi kisses him on the cheek yeah. uh, in gratitude. That's right. Uh, and also because they're crushing on each other now. Um, then, then... Yeah. Yeah. The, the two kids continue to move through what is very clearly a high school. Uh-huh. But but it, yeah, they start hearing muffled screams coming from Yeah. The, it's so it's the ladies locker room, but it has a sign that looks like it was made in MS Paint sort of hanging askew yeah. that says Fairmark Hotel and Spa. Yes. On it. Lexi goes in and finds Miss Dawson tied up mm-hmm. in a cubicle wearing like a sort of plush gown. And she's got a face mask on. Dressing, dressing a dress, gown. Yeah, yeah, dressing gown. Uh, and yeah, she's got like a sort of beauty face mask. Yeah. She says that she thought she was getting a free day at the spa, but then was ambushed. So I just... Just, just, to, I, just to clarify, just to clarify, Ms. Dawson got a message <laughs> saying you've won a free day at the spa at the hotel. Simply walk through the lobby, down into the boiler room, <laughs> through like three maintenance rooms. And then when you see the piece of paper <laughs> tacked to a door that says Fairmark Hotel and Spa... Just get get nude and come in. Yeah, well, and then the next thing that happens is she walks in, presumably Dimitri Dentatos is there and says, hello, welcome to the spa, put on this robe and face mask. <laughs> and only at that point binds her hands and, and, and secures her as a prisoner. Yeah, this is a new Japanese wrist massage technique uh, using ropes. Why doesn't so. he just, when she walks in, why doesn't he grab her and go, ha ha, there is no spa, you're kidnapped yeah. now. And you're, you're my prisoner. one of my children of the night. Yeah. Why has he Why? done this? Why has he taken her prisoner? Well, I think he knows because of the article. He knows that she's uh, Mr. Walker's love interest, so she's like leverage, right? Yes, but I guess but what he's done point. is take her prisoner and then leave. Yes, uh, but no one would go down into the into the basement. Yes. Uh, yep. Yeah, you know what? Know. 
you know it's what? Not a great plan. Fine. Her feet are in some kind of brown liquid, which you think is going to be explained or commented upon, but isn't. <laughs> yeah, it's she's got her two feet are in two different buckets of different liquids. I thought it was like some kind of electrical current thing. It was like, don't come any closer. Oh man, that would have been great. Yeah, like if a, it, like if if a drop of this touches a drop of that, yeah, this whole thing's going to explode. Unfortunately, unfortunately, nothing good is going to happen. The ki- then then the kids Scooby Doo some more around the hotel. And when we say Scooby Doo, we do mean literally that thing where like some of them will run across frame, like left to right. Yeah. And then some other ones will run right to left. Yeah. And some of them will come out of a door and some others will go into a different door. Yeah. The uh, the guy in the duster um, with the beard, he's running in a very sort of exaggerated comedy No one style. is going to believe this recap, Andy. No, I know. They are not going. It's, what happens next? Nobody well, is going to believe us. They're what going to think that is, we've made this up for attention. What happens next is amazing. So we cut to a conference room in the hotel. The homeless guy in the duster walks in and the MC says, I'm pleased to introduce someone who has been living undercover as a homeless man on the streets of Brooklyn. Ladies and gentlemen, city councilman Gary Icare. And then the man removes the wig and beard Pulls off the duster to reveal a suit and tie underneath his homeless costume. To reveal an impeccable suit that he presumably has spent the last four (laughs) weeks in. As this coat. He gives a speech to the assembled press conference, which for some reason Lexi's dad is at also. Because he's a big time reporter. He says, I've been undercover for four weeks, living undercover. Yeah, as a Uh, homeless man. As a homeless man on the streets of Brooklyn. He doesn't then go on to explain what he discovered or what it was like. <laughs> he instead, he holds up his coat and says to some, a coat is merely fashion. But to others, it is a form of shelter. Do you see this old coat? To some, a coat is merely an accessory, a fashion statement. To others, a coat is a form of shelter, a means of survival. This dreary old coat is practically the only offering of kindness I received in the past month. A man literally took it off his back to keep me warm. Everyone claps, but why? What have you done, Gary? What he's done is he's realised that coats, um, coats keep you warm. If I was in this press conference... And council city member Gary Icare reveals that he had spent four weeks li- also, like yeah, live, living rough. Presum- so presumably, until he was given the coat, he was wearing the suit. <laughs> full business suit. <laughs> Just sat on the pavement with a full business suit <laughs> and a party city wig and beard. <laughs> I. My question would be: Hey, Gary, why have you done this? We're going to throw to the press corps yeah. now. Um, yes. Hi, Gary. Yes. yes. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Luke Hi. Westway, uh, New York mm-hmm. Post. I don't think yeah. anyone in this room thinks that homelessness is good. Why did you leave your taxpayer-funded <laughs> job for four weeks to live rough? Uh, well, as um, you're going to change your tune when you find out what I discovered. What did you discover? Um, coats, right? The You know, the things we all wear to look good? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, they can keep you warm. Yeah, no, I know that they can keep you warm. And I know that they're very important if you don't have a house because, I, mm. you know, I see that kind of thing every day. Sort of like it's, it's like a form of sh- shelter, you know, in a way. If, in a way, when you think about it. If I could 
reiterate my previous question, Mr. I Care. Why have you done this? Did you learn anything else? Is there a is there a report coming? <laughs> is the city going to action like an in- increased funding for shelters? Um, or did you just do this to see what it was like? <laughs> and and in a revelatory sort of eureka moment, you realise it's not very nice to live on the streets. Well, you say that, but you can go around and sort of scowl at young women if you want. <laughs> Wait, do you you were scowling at young women? Yeah, yeah. In fact, they, I can see her. She's at the back of this I conference think I'll, room yeah, watching. I'll scowl at her now. Yeah, I think I'll scowl at her now. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, Mr. I Care, were you presumably thinking that in order to, to blend in on the streets, you would need to be just like sc- scampering around and scowling? Mr. I Care, do you think... Homeless people are sort of feral. Do you think they run from bin to bin scowling? <laughs> scowling at people? Well, yes, I assume. I was just trying to get into character. Yeah, what I basically did was dress up in a sort of insulting pantomime way <laughs> in my three-piece suit with a big unkempt wig. Yeah. Yeah, and just sort of hung around for four weeks. And then um, at some unspecified at some unspecified point earlier today, I went into the O'Hanlon's conference room bar. <laughs> and got chased out by <laughs> got security. Got chased around the hotel by a security guard <laughs> for confusing reasons. Yeah. I tried to explain to the security guard, this is, well, you, what would you say to the security guard? I'm going to a press conference. I'm city councillor, Gary Gary I'm about to do a bit where I go and pull off. <laughs> dramatically, dramatically pull off this pull party, off city party city beard. and hair. This... <laughs> Wizard beard, (laughs) medium black. I was doing this for unspecified reasons. But Lexi is at the back of the room and she's like, wow, a coat keeps you warm. I never thought of it that way. So she's she's touched. He's touched someone. The point point of of this to the film is that like this explains why his coat was there. But it's so insulting to the viewer. He says that the coat was an offering of kindness. A man took it off his back to keep him warm and everyone sort of applauds. Wow. And that man presumably is Mr. Yeah. Walker. He saw a man in a long wizard's beard and wig wearing a three-piece suit. A tailored three-piece suit. Well, you know he what said, he probably wow, this... thought? He probably thought, I'm currently in the process of faking my death. And here looks like someone who, from one thing or another, is going to be dead soon. <laughs> so I'm going to put my coat on them and maybe, who yeah. knows, this corpse will wash up. How could he have known, though, that it was City Councilman Gary Iker? Well, I don't know. So yeah, this should have become an optician with that name. Yeah, but Gary was destined for yeah. much, much greater things. Anyway, this. So if you had any any inkling that the coat was a kind of intriguing clue, it wasn't. It was just it this was city a, councilman a, cosplaying as a homeless a man. The two unnamed character Gary I Care, <laughs> city councilman <laughs> Gary I Care, who was doing a bit <laughs> and is now like doing a dramatic <laughs> reveal at a press conference. The way he the way he sheds his uh, his homeless man costume is so solemn. Yeah, and it's like he's standing there and he's like he's about to deliver the Gettysburg Address. Yeah. He's going to blow the assembled press's mind. Like he's come down with the Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah. it's oh man, it's just, and and he does it with a confidence that says everyone is going to think that this is a good thing yeah. I did. Christ-like, I shed my outer yeah. shell. 
and thus I stand before you as Gary Iker, city council member Gary Iker. You probably read the news stories about the disappearance of city council member Gary Iker. That's true. Maybe That's again. Again, some of you here in the press corps covered that story. Where I've been for the past four the weeks. The millions in police man hours and equipment spent combing the woods looking for my corpse. Looking for city councillor Gary Iker. Well, guess what? I was just roughing it yeah. to see what that's like. To and see. I've come back with this report. Yeah. It's not very nice. I've come back with the stunning revelation. It gets cold sometimes. If you're, It gets cold outdoors <laughs> you need a coat. <laughs> wow. Holy <laughs> shit, he's done it. <laughs> Gary, I guess, widow stumbles through the door. <laughs> she can't believe what she's seeing. Is it a vision? She's dreamed of this every night. Could it really be Gary? She started to regret remarrying so quickly. <laughs> no, she's not. <laughs> it's the best decision you ever made. So, so yeah, that's that's what the coat was about. It was City Councilman Gary Ike. I couldn't tell you, darling. The less you know, the safer you are. <laughs> I know that I can go undercover for four weeks <laughs> seamlessly, but I don't trust you, my love. <laughs> I don't trust you under pressure not to cave and tell the police where I really am. As he leaves, he takes one last lingering look at the coat rack. So fashionable. <laughs> so fashionable. He points at them and says, these have no other purpose other than to be fashionable. <laughs> His wife says, well, yes, of course. <laughs> and strides out of the house. We all know that. And I don't think anything could happen that could change. Where's daddy? <laughs> the newspaper's saying he's dead. Mum, why oh, is there a God. wizard's robe in the living room? But, <laughs> but no accompanying beard and wig. Oh, Andy, I think we've talked for about 45 minutes about Gary, I care. But I don't want to talk about the rest of the film because the rest of the film is going to unfold in a similarly stupid way. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with Gary, I care. <laughs> I just want to know what, why he's thinking. I just, I just need to know what he was thinking when he did it. No, 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 no. What I want to know <laughs> is what he was thinking on, like... Night two. <laughs> He's like, I still think this is a good idea. This is good. Oh. Oh, we've got to, we've got to move on. Um, why did he snarl at her though? <laughs> why did he snarl at Lexi? He was probably worried that she'd blow his blow his cover. He's like, quick, act homeless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think she bought it. Oh, it's so bad. Oh, so Lexi runs off. Because everyone is running in this in this thing, Dimit we see Dimitri running down some stairs. They met in the lobby. How hard is it to escape a hotel from its lobby? <laughs> yeah, I know where I would run. He runs back through the lobby. Yeah, the clock in the lobby tells us that it's two thirty-eight p.m. <laughs> so this chase has been going on for thirty-eight minutes. <laughs> Sounds about right. So the kids are running. The dad sees. Granville is running around, tripping over everything. Uh huh. Mrs. P, who is Mr. Mr. Walker's slash Petrosian's mum. She takes her seat in the hotel's like tea room. Which is in the lobby, yeah. Why she's there is not clear. No. But Miss Dawson comes running downstairs in her spa gown, even though she was tied up in the basement. <laughs> she comes down from upstairs. She comes down from upstairs. So I... So... Basically, everyone runs into the same room. Yep. Everyone runs into this tea room. The kids converge. Yeah. The kids are also trying to escape security. So they pretend that they're having tea with Mrs. P, a.k.a. 
grandma Petrosian. Yeah. Well, the other three kids were trying to chase down Dimitri Dentatos, but he ran through the lobby. They come back and they say that they lost him somehow. He managed to, he did manage to get away. He managed to escape the hotel lobby. Yeah. But he couldn't have gotten too far, says Jack. I have an idea, says Lexi. Oh my God. And then she puts on the backwards looking glasses. And Dimitri is <laughs> still in the lobby. So yeah, he's like stood behind her in the lobby. She puts on the rearview shades, and only with this incredible tech can it be revealed. Granville is walking around talking to people about ten feet behind her. She could have just turned her head. Also, listener, she is sat with her four friends around a circular table. If she can't see him, everyone else can. Jen is looking directly at him. He's still in the lobby. He's not hiding either. He's just walking around. He's like talking to the concierge. So she signals to Jack that Granville is behind her. Go get him, she says. And I'm I'm not entirely sure what happens here. So this is just the events in order. Yeah, go on. Okay, so two old ladies stand up. Jack sees this and goes, ah. He then runs around the back of the sort of seating area. There's a wheelie serving trolley in his way. Like a dessert trolley. Like a dessert trolley. Two men carry out a large three-tiered wedding cake. Jack pushes the trolley into it. It goes flying. And then Dimitri Dentatos stands there and watches it fly towards his face. Yeah. And then he, the cake lands on him. The only good thing about this scene is that the way that Granville is slammed backwards into the ground, caked, mm-hmm. is very, very similar to the scene where he gets slammed into the coffin in Mum's Got a Date with a Vampire. He's Yeah, he does good, like flying backwards into things yeah a great line in being slow-mo slammed to yeah. the ground i do I, I do like charles shaughnessy yeah I, yeah really good. I, it, yeah a bright spot in this otherwise increasingly weak film yeah. and then and then we immediately cut to voiceover wrap-up yes because nothing made sense and this was all reshot this is so this really this really wound me up it's like um Imagine if you were, had to give a TED talk mm-hmm. and you didn't have a and you didn't have a plan and you didn't have one written, okay? And you got up on stage to give your TED talk and the audience was all there and you started giving your TED talk that you hadn't planned and it didn't go very well and it didn't make any sense because you didn't have a plan and you didn't know what you were going to talk about and at the end you sort of like peter out and then and then you, you stop speaking and you see everyone in the audience raise their hand. Mm-hmm. And instead of taking questions, you say, well, anyway, that's all we have time for. Yeah, um, I've got to be going. That's what the film is doing here. The film is going anyway. Um, so, uh, so I've, got a, I've yeah. got a jet. I've got a bounce because it knows it's like the film knows you can smell its fear. You, the film knows that you're angry. The film knows that, that what you've just seen didn't make any sense and was absolutely not satisfying to you yeah and it, so it's like well anyway so this is what what happened to anyone and that's that's all we have time for da, 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 yeah. da, there's the bad guy covered in cake granville falco masquerading as detective meanie what kind of an alias is that oh he was a meanie all right we'll see how meanie is behind bars it seems that miss stern liked mr walker and she got a little jealous about miss dawson when she saw the picture in the paper she went snooping around his place to see if he had disappeared just to avoid her. Meanwhile, Mr. Goldblum was being rejected by Miss Dawson. But as you can see, he soon set his sights on Miss Stern. And voila! All's well that ends well. <laughs> oh boy, Mr. Walker's mom. <laughs> Don't they look sweet together? We just have this teeny-weeny little problem about Mr. Walker's future. 
I'm pretty sure Miss Dawson would prefer not to be married in a prison chapel. I must say, Detective Potter looks so much better without the knobs. And last but not least, Dad. <gasps> Dad! So, it, Detective Potter walks in, he's shaved his moustache off to win Lexi's approval. It turns out that Dmitri Dentatos is in fact Granville Falco, who was masquerading as Detective Meany. So Granville wasn't his last name? No, it was just, it's, yeah. <laughs> Granville, Granville Falco. Falco. I know. <laughs> Uh. So it turned out that Miss Stern liked Mr. Walker and she got a little jealous about Miss Dawson when she saw the picture in the paper that Lexi took. So she simply broke into his house to snoop around to see if he disappeared just to avoid her. Meanwhile, Mr. Goldblum was rejected by Miss Dawson, but then moved on to Miss Stern. And so that's what that was so all about. So that's what he was doing. Says the voiceover. Yeah. And then the voiceover says, oh boy, Mr. Walker's mum. So, you yeah. know, so that's why she was in the tea room having high tea when her... Yeah. So, yeah. so the explanation of why she's there is is yeah. Mr. Walker's mum. That's the that's entire it. the movie's entire explanation of why she is And present. when you bear in mind that she was in the room when her son explained that he's being blackmailed and it's like, oh, well, like, we'll try and find out the details of this meeting. Mm. Why didn't she would recognise her son? You, uh, you know what? Uh, it's It's... It's hard to... I worry that I'm not properly putting across how badly this film has fallen apart. Yeah. Like, Well, I mean, it's not finished falling apart yet. <laughs> Go on then. Because, okay, so Dimitri's being arrested for... I'm not entirely sure for what. The detective is like, and you, Walker, you're on the same charges. Lexi protests um, because she knows that he's being framed. The detective brings up the good point of where the $10 million is. Yeah, he um, says, you're under arrest too, unless you can account for where the $10 million is now. Yeah, he doesn't know. But then suddenly Lexi looks at his mum, who again is there for no reason, and she sees that she's wearing a bumblebee brooch. <laughs> where, did, where did you get it? She asks. I found it, says the mum. I went to the bank to meet my son for lunch one day in 1987 and it was in a... We actually see this in flashback. It was in a paper bag on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, she's... So she's... (laughs) So she says that, you know, she went to her son and said, oh, do you know who this is? And he was like, no, we don't know. And they couldn't find the owner. So, you know, she ended up keeping it. She didn't think it was worth very much. She just thought it was a a nice brooch. Then her son had to flee and fake his death and she thought nothing more of the brooch. But she always liked it. And so that's why she's wearing it now. But But Lexi reveals. Yes. Behold. That actually this is a very rare canary diamond. It's so rare that there are less than 30 in the world and it's worth $10 million. Yeah, exactly. Lexi diamond valuer over here. Mm. Yeah, even though like that was 1987 and this is 2002, it's held its value precisely. Yeah. Lexi estimates. I mean, the the gem is sort of hidden by the bee's wings as well. It's hard to spot. And also she's wearing several other brooches on her cardigan. So the real question this begs Mm. and the film is not going to address this even a little bit it's going to like dance away from it scamper into the night like yeah tosney it's gonna it's gonna jump into one dozen waiting van and the real question is why did granville Mm. put his 10 million dollars worth of embezzled money yeah into a bejeweled bumblebee brooch Mm-hmm. And then take that bejeweled bumblebee brooch yeah. and put it in a paper bag and put it <laughs> on the floor of the bank where he works and then leave forever. Wait, no, he got, he got the brooch. Yeah. 
And then he went to the, he put it in a paper bag. Yes. And then he went to the office. And put it on the floor. And and dropped it accidentally on the floor, probably. Well. So it's, it's good, actually. It's like, it's, it's sort of just, it's just like on the floor, kind of in the waiting room, like under the, under the, like yeah. the chairs. And she's just like, oh, the back. Also, she says, I oh. tried to find out whose it was. So why, when she does that, is Granville not like, oh, I dropped that? <laughs> oh, yeah, that is mine. That's mine, yeah. actually. Yeah, phew. Wow. Little does she know that was worth 10 million. He gets dragged away screaming. Um, You're a genius, Lexi, says Jen, of this bafflingly improbable turn of events. Like, they they make a point earlier of talking about her his mum's, like, ec- large and eclectic jewellery collection. And on this day, she goes to a place where she's not supposed to be and doesn't know where it is. Yeah. Wearing the one specific piece of jewellery that could exonerate her son. She goes to have tea... At, at high tea at a hotel at a table for six by herself while her son is like on the lamb being hunted by a, yeah. a blackmailer yeah and just goes to this hotel randomly for no reason and then a small girl with uh incredibly specific knowledge about gemstones yeah is there and it just to be clear like looking at this at this jewel it's like a yellow stone yeah, it looks like 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 paste, like glass. Yeah, cut glass. I think they call it a very rare canary diamond. A canary diamond, because yeah. I I I assume canary diamond is made up mm. because it's like we only had a, a yellow piece of plastic on set. Yeah, I store this information in the bauble department of my brain. Announces Lexi yeah. happily. Oh no, yellow diamond exist fine whatever so there's a spinning newspaper transition. The front page of the Daily Examiner, the exclusive story by Alexandra Gold. You get a little snippet of the article again. A large wedding cake flew through the air during the pursuit and landed on the suspect, reads one sentence, which is, I think, the driest, least exciting way you could possibly convey that information. Okay, so um, Lexi and Jack wrap up their plot. Yeah, Miss Dawson gives her congratulations. Um, She says to Lexi, you should be one of my career day speakers as a journalist or a detective. No, seriously, I've got nothing planned for tomorrow. Lexi says, oh, you know, it's um, my dad's put me onto this. You'd be amazed at what hard work, imagination and a little luck can bring you. And then Miss Dawson says, maybe we should invite your dad to speak. Weird that you haven't, to be honest. <laughs> um, and then she says, anyway, I've got to go. I'm meeting Orlando and he wants to ask me something. That's right. He's got a question he wants to pop me on one knee. Anyway, bye. <laughs> and Lexi's detective brain spins up. Yeah. Oh my gosh, she says, putting all the clues together. Smash cut to the wedding. Mr. Walker, Miss Dawson have got married. So, yep. He's in white tie and tails. He looks like he's starring in an off-Broadway production of Top Hat. All the kids sort of talk to each other a bit. <laughs> yeah, the girls brutally slam <laughs> Mrs. Petrosian's outfit. <laughs> Lexi and Jack wrap up their sort of romantic arc. Um, Lexi says that she learned things aren't always what they appear to be. You did a great job, Lexi, on the case. You should be proud of yourself. Well, I learned something totally important from you, Jack. Things aren't always what they appear to be. And that's good. It keeps life interesting. She's bought Jack a present. In The present is a pair of bowling shoes, which she has customised. Yeah. Pretty terrible gift, but it's a quite cute day task, I suppose. Like, Thank you, I like them, says Jack. <laughs> doesn't, lo- doesn't love them. <laughs> Thank you, I like them, he says, knowing that he has to say that. Yeah, knowing that he ha- already has bowling shoes that he much prefers. <laughs> Lexi uh, announces... That also, this as part of her character arc, she announces that she can now survive wearing shoes that other people have worn. Yep. Jen can't get on board with this. And then Lexi says, my feet aren't that elite, neither are yours. <laughs> yeah, Jen. 
There's nothing elite about your feet, Jen. Uh, we get, some, <laughs> get over yourself, Jen. <laughs> we get some outro narration about how great New York is. The coolest city in the world, Lexi says. Yeah. And, and, then, the and then the film ends. Um, or, you know, just sort of like peters out. The film ends like, like an animal dying. <laughs> like, you know, in movies when they shoot a buck and by the time they get over and to it, it's just doing like one last twitch. It's just like, yeah, yeah. bucking a little <clears throat> on the floor. Yeah. Sort of yeah. breath steaming out of its nostrils. That's that's how this movie feels like it ends. So I I can't find the alternate ending on YouTube. Apparently, it was on the DVD release of this. Um, and the the description of it on Wikipedia just says, in the original ending, the villain turned out to be Mrs. Stern, oh. um, a teacher at Lexi's school who had known Mr. Walker while he was living in Arizona. Better. Um, yeah, it doesn't say what it- happened or what the explanation for that is but that was the original it's, story oh it's just that they had to reshoot the whole ending yeah. it's it's just wild isn't it like the way that all the air goes out this movie at the point where like mr walker just shows up at his mum's front door yeah he's like hey kids i'm alive i'm alive yeah i'm alive come on come on in have some herring and 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 the big twist of the movie is i'm alive and that concludes <laughs> our 90 minutes i'm, I'm yep. sorry i'm what what we're 45 minutes in. Oh, oh my, my God. Uh, okay. Okay. Kids, what I'm about to say to you now is extremely serious. Has anyone seen Scooby-Doo? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so that's that. That's it that. Is um, rubbish. Apart from yeah. Gary Icare. City Council member Gary Icare. City Councilman Gary Icare. City Council yeah. member Gary Icare's big reveal Goes down as one of is amazing. one of the most baffling scenes I have ever seen in any film. It is it is good. if you just want to watch that bit, it's like one hour eleven minutes into the movie. So yeah, yeah, and it's good. Um, yeah, you know, it's got um, Lindsay Lohan's generally unlikable in this, but she does have screen presence. Yeah, she sure Bre- does. Brenda Song is Brenda Song is good. Brenda Song's yeah, Brenda Song's great. Um, yeah, it was I, like like you. I thought that it set up the intrigue very well, and then absolutely failed to deliver on any of it. Yeah, um, yeah, gutted. I really, really enjoyed the first half of this one. Mm. Never mind. But I enjoyed talking about it with you, Andy, and I hope, listener, you enjoyed us dunking on it relentlessly. Um, the only thing I can think to say is City Council Member Gary Iker is <laughs> genuinely like the only word Just, at the front of my mind. Yeah. Okay, okay. The absolute star of this movie. Can I I read you an email, Andy? Yes, please. Okay, Uh, this one comes in from Emily from New Hampshire. Uh, Thank you, Emily from New Hampshire, for your email. It is one of many pieces of correspondence, Andy, that we've had on the subject of Mm -hmm. um, ordering food with the exact name as it's listed on the menu. Emily writes, I'm sorry you all hate when people order food by using the menu names. I, for one, love forcing others to use the menu names. Whenever my partner orders pizza from our local pizza joint, I make him order Big Daddy's cheesy bread. <laughs> I did this. Again, I did this. But the, the cheesy bread would be fine. <laughs> I'll have the I'll have the cheesy bread. What kind? Big Daddy's. <laughs> I did they put it on the menu just to laugh at the people who order it, says Emily. I've attached a picture of their menu. It's real. <laughs> Thank you, Emily. I did look at the screenshot, and yes, I can verify Big Daddy's cheesy bread is there. Olive oil, fresh garlic, Romano mozzarella served with homemade marinara, $13.95. That sounds good. Good. 
this can be yours big daddy's cheesy break yeah um thanks everyone yeah, we had a, we had a lot of emails on this on this point and people were like well you have to say the name because of the uh, what i was specifically talking about is the descriptive words in menus so like 28 day aged whatever yeah if if there's if it's like a specific name for a th- it's that is fine don't why i'm getting angry about this anymore. i don't know either don't know either hey, you know what look look this film that we've just recapped leaves a bad taste in the mouth. Yeah. Right? So it's not your fault, Andy. It's okay. Thank you, everyone, for writing in. You can get in touch with the podcast at momcantcookpod at gmail.com. And mm-hmm. if you cannot wait uh, a fortnight for another DCOM recap, then good news. You don't have to. You can get even more Mum Can't Cook by having extra helpings served up to you by going to patreon.com slash extra helpings. And then on the off weeks, every other week, you get Andy and I recapping a subscriber-only bonus episode of the Disney Channel TV show, So Weird, which is just brilliant. And you can now listen to that on Spotify. Patreon and Spotify have launched some sort of integration tie-up thing, which means that if you do use Spotify as your podcatcher of choice, you can get the extra helpings bonus episodes right there in the spotify app so that's cool yeah also coming up we have uh, a halloween live show mm-hmm. coming your way yeah on the 29th of october. of october yes at the prince charles cinema in london yep it's a very very cool cinema um and a really cool venue and totally appropriate for the tower of terror recap that we're oh, going to be doing the 1997 disney tv movie adaptation of the Steve Gutenberg, Steve Gutenberg. Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst. Dunst more stars than there are in the heavens exactly. <laughs> yeah and you thought Pirates of the Caribbean was the first Disney Park ride adapted into a movie well guess again because Tower of Terror was there first yep it certainly was first <laughs> and just as good and there is there is something to be said for that I imagine yeah um, okay yeah so you can find tickets to that uh, in the um, description of the of the podcast uh, you can get merch at momcantcookstore.com andy mm. we've got to do this again yes we must we mustn't leave it so long next time mm. let's leave it the exact same amount of time what what decon we doing next uh luke we are going to talk about the 2000 disney channel original movie ready to run yes okay Although her father died in a racing-related accident, Corey Ortiz dreams of becoming a jockey in the predominantly male sport of thoroughbred horse racing. Despite her mother's misgivings, Corey uses a gift her grandmother calls the confidence of horses to help, help her horse Thunder Jam overcome his fears. Thunder Jam! And you better believe it's directed by Dwayne Dunham. Oh, man. You can hear it in Van Halen's voice. is going. Thunder Jam! <laughs> Thunder Jam. Damn, that's a good name for a horse. I'm so excited. Or a jam. Okay. Um, yeah, ready to run. It's really fun. It is a ring of endless light, basically, but with horses instead of dolphins. It's kind of mm. got that same plastic friendship bracelet aesthetic that I yep. love and that I can see Andy just lowering his eyes. It, yeah, there we go. There's the big sign. I don't know. The, the name Thunder Jam is going to have to do a lot of heavy lifting to carry me through. What about... What about a psychic gift called the confidence of horses? <laughs> God, give me the confidence of horses. That is very yeah. good. Okay. Well, we will see you next time for the confidence of horses. Find out all about that. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, as I stand before you, I'm going to dramatically pull off my beard and wig to reveal that, yes, all this time, Andy Farron was in fact City Councilman <laughs> Gary Hiker. <I can. laughs>
he's done it again. Classic I care move. Oh my 